like the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Bano. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we're here again on another Monday. Just had a great chat in our pre-show about, well, Pet Blackie. Again. <laughs> Grapple Pro Wrestling. <laughs> we're nothing but predictable. Succession. <laughs> FPL. That was a bit safer, the Succession chat. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm not even going to refer to that comment in the chat. That's uh, that's why there's that kind of uncomfortable silence. But yes, always fun in the pre-show. Well, I'll be fine, you JP. How's your weekend been, mate? It's been a feels like it was a, a million years ago. We recorded the um, the weekend show on Friday and mm. another transfer deadline day. But you've been well since. I have been um, a good a good weekend. It, Weirdly, I, I'd, I'd sort of just spent time. I, I found myself watching a film on Netflix called Red Notice, which I didn't think I'd oh. really be referring to on here. But I imagine I'm going to have to explain quite extensive plot details later on. So, yeah, <laughs> there was that. I mean, it was a weekend of sport, as as mm. as a lot of weekends are, because it got bitterly cold here. So I didn't do too much really. Um, mm. ended Did you not go watching... to Ghostbusters? No. No, not yet. I'm. I. I don't know. I'm not necessarily excited by it. I know Carl in the chat is 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 saying it's terrific. There's really good audience ratings, but the critics are kind of shitting on it, which is uh, one of these interesting phenomena. Uh, yeah. So like, I think if you go on there, like a lot of kind of like critics are, are kind of really having a pop, but it does seem to be kind of I don't know resonating here. So okay. yeah. Well, it's kind of like though the original probably got that like I, I don't know maybe because I'm. A t- like a touch younger than you guys like have you got that nostalgia for the original um that maybe th- that i do it's like to me it was like the movie i watched a million times as a kid like i, w- I actually rewatched it last week because I, st- I knew the original one was coming through and it's like one of those movies where like every little scene and little sound in the film i kind of have like a a weird memory of and it's bringing all these mm. memories back of being a kid and you know rewatching the first probably 20 minutes of that like film over and over and over again you never it's the type of film where like you'd be in the like i'd be in like my nan and granddad's house and they'd be like ah this will shut him up just put ghostbusters on for him <laughs> and you'd watch like the first 20 minutes and then get bored and then just repeat for the rest <laughs> i don't actually know if i actually saw the end of it but it was a it's a big part of my childhood that's massive it was it was one of these they don't make those kind of films as well anymore the kind of really mm. it, it's like a, you're getting a whole load of kind of talented comedians at their peak and it's like a kind of high concept kind of you know the effects for the time were mm. were pretty good but it's just all of the kind of weird little gags and quirks particularly of kind of like bill murray obviously but it's yeah it, it's it, it's a film that fucking resonates doesn't it it doesn't go away mm. yeah, that song what... i was going to say i think it's the song like i think what year did it come out was it 84 yeah. Was it, the year I was born. So, like I say, I've got nostalgia for it. Obviously, I must have been watching it on tape like six or seven years later. Yeah. Because, I, because yeah, I would have been like, what, six then sort of thing. Like It's one of them that I remember. Like, I feel like I've watched it more as an adult, probably. I, I think it was one of them that was like out and it was before like we had a, like a 
video player at home and stuff like that. So I think I maybe only like saw it once. I think it was more like there was a Ghostbusters cartoon that was out at the time mm. kind of thing. And it felt like that was more like the big Ghostbusters, uh, the big Ghostbusters thing rather than the, the film. But I remember I remember watching it and thinking Bill Murray was like incredibly cool at the time, even, like, even, when, I, even when I was a kid. Like, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's one of the, I think it was more about the song. The song was just everywhere, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. If you want a good yeah. laugh, um, one of the a good uh, Key and Peele sketch is Jordan Peele doing um, Ray Parker Jr. covering songs for other films, including <laughs> films like Apt Pupil, which is about Ian McKellen playing a Nazi grooming a boy. So <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> that to the tune of Ghostbusters. It's, it's yeah, it's it's incredibly funny sketch. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll. Uh... I will. I will go watch it at some point, though. Definitely. Got, yeah. It's got. It's got that. Like I say, that's the nostalgia for me. I did. Thought the 2016 rate was all right. Um, but like, yeah, this it wasn't one. I, shit, best people made it out to be. There's a lot worse fucking films out there. No. Well, that's the point I was going to make about the first one. Like, I always think that, like, any comedy like that, or any like film, even like some of the 80s stuff we've gone back and done for Film Club. Like you love it because you were a kid at the time and you were like the target mm. audience or a teenager at the time and we're kind of the target audience. You go back and like pretty much any comedy of all time got panned by critics. Like the best some of the best comedies of all time mm. haven't got good like rotten tomatoes or like metacritic ratings and stuff. So you know, you gotta um gotta say it's like it it was like that when we were kids. So like maybe maybe like for this new one, kind of treated the same thing. It's a bit like being like a, a WWE fan these days. You know, when we were kids, we thought uh, you know I thought that I thought the new generation was fantastic, and there's probably some dumb kid out there who thinks you know Bray Wyatt's great and Braun Strowman's great. Okay, man, all of their heroes are off TV you now. You know what I mean? They probably big hit Bray fans. Yeah, those poor Keith Lee fans gutted. Buying their Bearcat T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's funny. Like critics will always shit on certain genres, and mm. like comedy and horror doesn't win Oscars generally. Horror, I think, has won more than comedy. Like I know, mm. like for a really long time, they're just kind of ignored. Even though mm. something like Airplane, like you go back and watch that, and yes, yeah. it is dated. Some of it, you know, put that into consideration. But my God, the kind of hit ratio with the jokes, just relentless. The entire time, and by God, some of them are absolute fucking belters. Oh, it's still the funniest film, that for me. Airplane. If I if I want to laugh, I'll put airplane on. Defo. It's just I think like you made that. a reference once to Kevin Kelly looking like that inflatable. Jupy's <laughs> 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 uh, not calling fat. He's just saying that's what he looks like. <laughs> I don't fucking say that. Say anything. Words. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a Christmas one that's going to be uh, coming out, uh, Gareth, in the in the runner? Roll out, force it on the kids. Airplane. It's just one of them that, like, it's always on, isn't it? It's like one of them films that you're, you're like flicking through channels, and it's it's there on ITV4, or it's randomly there on some like channel on Sky, on like you know, one hundred and seventy nine, some channel that you've never heard of before, or something like that. And then it's always one of them that if I'm flicking through and it's on. It's like right, I'm here till the end, kind of thing. So whether it's mm. we're whether we're ten minutes in or we're an hour in, kind of thing. As soon as I just see it's there, I'll just just watch it through because it is just like you say, JP. It's just it's gag a second, isn't it, kind of thing. And it's it's just like I, I almost feel like even though I bet I've seen it like forty times, like I almost feel like I see something new every single time as well. There's always just some small thing going on in the background, or you, you maybe just you know you just get one line a little bit more or something. <laughs> 
I'm just looking at Carl's there for this, yeah, this show. The show's not sort of force it on the kids, kids, which out of context, terrible. Um, no, we still yeah. cover Brit Res every now and then, so probably. I was going to say, yeah, some of that, yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, uh, no, speaking I, of Brit Res, Gareth got out this weekend. A lot of uh, you were out at the uh, a catch on Sunday, Dad's Day Out, bit of Sunday League as well. Yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a belter. I've just been uh, been stuck in the house for two. Uh, well, stuck in the house all last week because I was said he had COVID. Like, thankfully, all all right. But uh, so she had to isolate, and then Alex got it on. Like, I think he tested positive on Thursday, something. And then so like he's going to be off all this Jeez. week. So I'm just basically just like got a fortnight of just been stuck in the house with the uh, the two kids. Um, and then like on set on Saturday, Sarah was just like to me just. Just get out, get out of the house. Just like go, go somewhere. Because we we were supposed, to, me and I were supposed to be going to see the, um, we were supposed to be going to see the Blue Tones. Have a, uh, they were playing a gig in town, and um, so oh, yeah. we, were, we were supposed to be going to that. But then Sarah was going to have to stay in. We were going with my mate, and then so I was like, oh, I don't want to like ditch him, leave him, even though Sarah can't go. But then it got called off because it turns out that the uh, lead singer of the Blue Tones isn't a uh, is a abusive prick you know to his uh to his wife and you know like absolutely like massive detailed like abuse over a period of time so you know in a rare switch of occurrences i didn't go to a music gig and i went to wrestling in the, instead because That's of uh, because of someone being abusive what a u-turn um but um but anyway so um i ended up going over to to the cat show on uh on saturday night and um yeah i had a, I had a you know, belt of a belt of a night there. Really, it was a fucking, it was a really good show. Like, I think um, I, I felt like felt sorry for them. I think they'd lost a venue during the week um, last week. I think they were due to be in Manchester City Centre and they had to move it to Salford Student Union, but worked out for the for the best as far as I was concerned. It was a Salford Student Union, it was just a cracking little like intimate venue. I'm I'm always a bit of a sucker for something that just looks a bit different and feels a bit different when it comes to wrestling. Just seeing it in a bit more of a uh, I don't know, a bit more of a different environment to just like a usual typical big space. But um but yeah, just as far as the as the show went itself, there was um it was it was, you know, a cr- like cracking stuff really for, for for what it was. You know, obviously at the end of the you know, at the end of the day you're not going in there and you're not expecting, you know, Tokyo Dome kind kind of thing. But as far as Brit Rest shows that I've gone to so far since things have opened up, you know, you know, it's it, it's up there. I think I really enjoyed that tidal show that I went to in in Leeds, and I think this is tucked in behind it really for me for the for the second best best show that I've seen. There was there was loads of good stuff on there. I think you know the uh, um, again I won't go into full like detail on, on on all the matches or anything like that, but there was a belter of an opener. Um, Chris Ridgeway and Brady Phillips had a had a had a really strong um, opener there that. Um, Again, it was just like very technical and just like right up my street. Lots of big strikes, you know. The so you know submissions and grappling was really you know really tight and um, you know just lots of like small details that Brady Phillips was thrown in there with just little things with his knuckles and his elbows and things like that. Like uh, there's just to get the show going. Like I was like, oh, here we go, nice one. Was it different from the last Brady Phillips match? Who was he up against? Was it Will Cruz? Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, it was Tom Thelwell, the last uh, title. But yeah, it was a very, it was very different because of the, I mean, the nature of the the opponent, but the venue as well. Like just with it being a low ceiling and things, it had to be a little bit more oh. map based and things as well. But it was, it was, it was good stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, throughout throughout the whole show, like there was there, there was you know good stuff. Whether it was. Um, 
you know, obviously, you know, I'm a, I, I enjoy a bit of Alexis Falcon, I enjoy a bit of Lizzie Evo, you know, they were both on there and good. Like Joey Hayes has always been one of my best uh, favourite British wrestlers on the scene. And like Joey was there just doing his, doing his shtick, getting the crowd going, you know, just like the old pro that he is kind of thing, getting the, his, you know, getting the comedy out there while he was working with a couple of young lads that, you know, that was, that was, um, that was some good stuff as well. There was, you know, good pre-show match with um, Ivy and Lucia Lee. And like Ivy, again, she's someone from a women's wrestler who just seems coming through. There was a lad I'd never seen before, Jesse Wolf, who was, you know, really, really young, but you could see that he was just really uh, entertaining as well. Like he just had his character down pat and he just had a bag of, bag of charisma. And yeah, all in all, it was it was just a show that I just came away through thinking like, bloody hell, I'm glad I went to that. And, you know, coming mm. coming off the back of the previous um, catch show that I went to, it, it felt like a real kind of step ahead. So, you know, I just mm. felt uh, felt pretty pretty positive about it, really, and good good show overall. Do you feel weird being at a show without the Ogdens there? That's the main thing. <laughs> like, well, that, in, uh, your hall, oh yeah, well, I, I thought in the back of my mind, I thought they weren't there, and I, I was sure Andy had mentioned it to me. He wasn't as he wasn't gone, and I messaged him, and he was like, "Oh no, we're down in London," and um, that was the that was the one thing it could have done with, especially in that like quite an intimate little venue like that. I think they would have mm-hmm. just uh, got the uh, got the atmosphere going even more. But to be fair, there was a lot of people there just getting the uh, getting the claps going, getting the chants going, and everything. You know, it was uh, semi decent beer on the on the bar like you know you could get a dead pony club so given that most brit rest venues it's you know carlin or fucking you know some other shite kind of thing even to be able to get like a, a dead pony club was uh was a, a slight improvement on that as well so yeah if uh i almost felt like i walked away from it thinking like god them you know the catch had almost you know, I had to get a venue out of nowhere at the last minute. And I was thinking, God, they've bloody landed on the feet here with this. They should <laughs> come here all the time. There's mm. decent beer. It's a good little venue. It was like decent sight lines, you know, lots of seating and booths and things like that at the side and stuff. And um, yeah. Was a- Potential audience as well. I mean, it's, I know that we've had conversations about this in the past, like even just like when we've met up about why don't they run more student unions and things like that. Because you'd like to think they'd be slightly cheaper to hire, there's like a potential if you did any kind of marketing around that you'd hope to pick up you know just a few wrestling fans who'd be around there as well and if you can get a good time slot because you said it was saturday afternoon is that right no it was the it was the evening i think uh oh right so, so I it was about half six i went in and then so yeah so it was a, it was like a it was a decent time i mean i was getting right off after the after the sh- the show but i'm guessing it was you know it was easy to get to decent, decent well placed you know it was easy to get to i mean i was driving so it was easy to get to but there's a train station close by as well but yeah just you know all in all i just yeah i came away thinking yeah this looks uh this looks like you could plonk a little um a continuous scene here and there definitely was students there there was you know as i was looking there was a lot of different faces and things like that there was a lot of you know <laughs> to my 43 year old eyes very young looking people who were you know probably 20 or something like that but um but yeah there was i think they definitely pulled a few students in as well as well so yeah good 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 stuff the first, one of the first times i saw fight club pro like obviously promotion you don't want to come back but i remember them like in manchester doing like the student union there and they were the first promotion i'd seen there i remember like trent seven was there over the weekend the world's oldest teenager like on like a freshest day or something like like giving out like tickets and stuff oh and, christ you know, 
I don't know if that's the, the best thing, but you know, it is surprising that like the more I thought, like, more I, think I know, and the more you look at it, it just sounds bad. <laughs> you know what it does? Maybe we should stay away. So maybe the first grapple show should uh, we should stick with the electric board and like we were talking about in the pre-show, JP. <laughs> it is. Will in the chat here has given us a wonderfully explanation of why this doesn't happen. Fuck's sakes, mm. Will, you always ruin the fantasy of just us thinking, well, that's the obvious thing to do, isn't it? It'll all be great. Um, <laughs> no, it would be put them on the list to host boxing, which means they get greater checks from councils. Sounds like the greater checks you get at York Hall trying to go in um, when they lump you in with boxing. It's uh, <laughs> wrestling's biggest, biggest thing. We just talked about that at the pre-show, like people getting, getting wallets searched and all kinds, hats searched. Mm. You never know these wrestling fans might turn up, might turn up to watch the show to Umino main event with a knife in your wallet. You gotta be, uh, gotta be careful. Who are these people? <laughs> who are these people who go to ref pro shows and just think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring a knife to this <laughs> and some coke. That's what I'm bringing to this. I'm off to the wrestling Sunday afternoon. I'm bringing the blow and I'm bringing a blade. Um, you know, that's it's ridiculous. Speaking of Michael Pro, yeah, those days are over. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> oh, amazing. But yeah, we missed out on that, didn't we, JP? Maybe we'll uh, go down for the yeah, sounds like it was well received at uh, that York Hall show. Um, even if, mm. you know, maybe not the the, the, the biggest uh, main events and such. And yeah, it sounds like they did all right attendance wise in the end as well. But yeah, I was going to say, other than that, this week, what we got up to, have you have you guys uh, recovered from the uh, the top five, uh, the five to one episode we we did with Matty at our top five? Oh. Um, I was going to say our top five wrestlers of all time, but like I feel like the top five chocolate bars discussion is still going on. I think the grapple notifications yeah. are probably still lighting up with people, <laughs> including their top fives and uh, and they're like, I think we uh, we struck a nerve there. I think so. Well, I mean, got... It's it, it's definitely one of those notifications have come through. I've definitely been like, oh, I can't believe I missed Kinder Bueno. <laughs> Things like that. I've been... <laughs> oh, the working class man's Ferrero Rocher. Kind, yeah. Kinder bueno. yeah. I've, I've uh, been glad Crunchies have gotten a lot of respect. Like, I was proud of including that in my top five. I'm very partial to a, to a Crunchy. Like I said, on the pod, two for one pound at my local shop. It's working from home. It's uh, every lunchtime. Like, ah, go on. I'll, I'll buy a couple of Crunchies. Why? And it's a whole it's kind of worms around. Time. It's it's a whole kind of worms around Maltesers, minstrels. Are they in? Are they out? Yeah, can we can, can we compare them? You put that in your list, and I was a bit. You're like, gonna fall Ooh. down that revels-based hole, then. <laughs> and then at that point, I mean, it's, where where does it end? Where does the madness end? But no, well, I the, mean, the the madness is going to end at some point further down the line when when we're doing our top five revels. Well, <laughs> that's right. Benno Rank with his rebels. posh. Benno with his posh ripple. Might be made fun of for thinking ripples are posh, or because I had a ripple because it is posh. That's what I don't understand. To me, it's a classy chocolate. I don't know. I don't know why. I just remember the advert being like, you know, posh women and stuff like that eating ripples. Like, is that not everyone's thought on that? Posh flake. I mean, it's a posh flake, isn't it? It's a flake with no guts because it's being covered up by the by by the chocolate um, as as much as anything. Um, You calling me a coward for liking ripples and off legs, JP? No, I mean, I, I would say, well, like uh, my explanation was with the flake, is it's adaptable because you you chuck it in an ice cream. Mm. Like that's always been the, the the other part of it as well. well I mean, it's could, a mess. You, you, you could put a ripple in an ice cream <laughs> if you. I've never tried it. No, you could. I reckon one of those fucking you know those no, dessert but... places that are everywhere now, Gareth. Like I don't know if it's just a Liverpool thing, but like every corner has got like a mag- a dessert thing where it's like everything's fucking caked in 
like peanut butter and Reese's Pieces and Lotus Biscoff, and it's like definitely it's the, it's the yeah. 2021 equivalent of when we used to have sunbed shops on every corner, and it was a hundred percent a front for drug money. Like like those types of places <laughs> I can imagine putting a ripple in an ice cream. Are they down to JP? Is it just us? What's that? Like these posh these places? Not even posh. Like the like just like Some 24 hour. Place. Crazy like dessert places where like it's like you just get a fucking oh, pile yeah. of like the fucking blend up a Mars bar and mix it up with like yeah a flake and a crunchy and then turn it into an ice cream somehow and put some syrup on it. It's like it's like the yeah they're everywhere. Yeah, there are it's it's like it around there with a obviously a big student market who who'll do that. Like there's mm. you can get the posh ones right in the center of uh, in the center of Oxford. But um no the chocolate debate. I mean I, I'd like to bring up some of the you know. If we are going down the Maltesers route, then we're getting to M and M's, then aren't we? And then that's mm. like can open worms everywhere at that point. It's you know, it, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty mad. Um, so it, the conversation seems to have twisted, gone on to uh, shops that operate as drug money fronts. Um, in Scunthorpe, as, as well in in Scunthorpe. <laughs> That's what you get on the Brit Rest is t- dead tier, folks. Is, is Jordan knows what I'm talking about. Saying this shop near him will blend your milkshake from any chocolate yeah. bar you want. Yeah, it's like it's kind of the, the thing now. Connor's got me back. He thought Ripples were, uh, were posh when he was younger as well. So, no. I agree with Liam, though. Time out. Forgot about that. That's a superior flake based chocolate. He's looking at No. Over the time out. I like a lion bar. Is that all right? Mm. Peanut butter lion bar over there. I'm partial to the peanut butter varieties, even against my better judgment. Sometimes you bite into them and they do taste like filth. But sometimes you, sometimes you want to eat filth, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> the metaphor for a lot of things in life, really. <laughs> Indeed, we won't open up Pandora's box. Yeah, also also on the show, yes, we did talk our top five wrestlers of all time. We did have Matty oh. on. It was a tour de force by Matty. It's great to see all the, uh, the, the feedback for Matty, I think. Um, oh. I've been thinking about doing another versus. I think I might have to pin Matty down and uh, and do the one with him we were thinking of doing where uh, I find out, uh, maybe go in-depth on how Randy Orton and Edge fa- find their way into his top five wrestlers of all time or... You know how uh, how would the taker ended up in the mix, which uh, which Gareth wasn't impressed by. No, it's I mean, it's one of them like <laughs> like Matty's doing Matty's reading his lists, and it's 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 so good though, isn't it? Because he's got like full justification, hasn't he? Behind like oh, he believes everything, but it's so good because it's just like brings that just different angle to to things. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're obviously going to kind of shit on a lot of these people, and they're just sort of almost like outside our bubble of favourites, and then. Matty, you know, is is Okada's all right, you know. I love that. <laughs> Okada is his Randy Orton. Like, for everything we said about Randy Orton, Matty would just throw that back out of us about Okada. And I, I love that. I he love means, having yeah. that different viewpoint. I love it. It's so good. And it's, yeah. it's, it is. It's the thing that you kind of always want from wrestling and those kind of discussions, don't you? You don't want that kind of confirmation bias. And by God, Matty will never give you that because it'll just be like... And he's he's just so generally brilliant with it anyway. So yeah, I absolutely. My favorite love is when he first round out of the G one and he was like, the wrestling for points. And I was like, Yeah, it's like a point, it's like a point based <laughs> for points though. What happened to just winning and losing? I was like, Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> just pissing on the concept of the G one. That's just it. 
I mean, he was having a chat with Jamesy about this. It was it was fantastic. That's a chat like, I want to hear. Jamesy the, and Matty going back and forth on their wrestling uh, psychology. He's like, that's a show. That's a show. That's a show right there. <laughs> oh, it was fun though. But yeah, we had a, had a great time doing that. And yeah, oh. we had a, a good, good time counting down our, our top fives. Any changes you'd make, lads, from the other five you had on there? Had any thoughts since? I kind of thought Vader rather than Bam Bam Bigelow, I think is mm. the one that I was, okay. uh, I went back on and actually I was kind of thinking of how much I liked Vader. And I think we, we brought him up as like, nobody had him in theirs, did they? No, he was, he was on my Neely men. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I saw but, a lot of people kind of mention, well, that, like the, that was the thing, like seeing people's top fives come flying on Twitter, like, mm. Jamesy shot me. Speaking of Jamesy, Sid in his top five. I mean, that's given us an idea for a potential mix for, for, for next month. Wouldn't have had Jamesy down as a Sid fan. But yeah, definitely some <laughs> wild picks we got in the mentions there. That's half the beauty of it, isn't it? Because mm. you you want to hear, because this comes down to the personal stuff. And it'll be that thing where you'll see someone as a kid and they will just stick with you for the rest mm. of their life, kind of regardless. Yeah, that's why it's And you haven't made that choice, have you? It's just like, it's kind of almost like, kind of, you're thrown open. So there'll be someone out there who just thinks Rick the Model Martel is just like the greatest wrestler of all time and absolutely love them. And it'd be, I would completely understand how they feel like that. Um, mm. And that's half the fun of it, really, yeah. Because if it's like best wrestlers of all time, you know, that can get a bit samey. And it also feels like it gets a lot more argumentative than at that point. When you get to favourites, it's it's the weird kind of like emotional ones. Yeah, you're much better off. It's a much better discourse and it's a lot more fun. Hmm. Yeah, it's like I saw Ken Shamrock on someone's list and I was like, I can't imagine being that much of a fan of Ken Shamrock, but hey, you know, to each their own, like your favourite wrestler of all time, okay. Yeah, it's just the wild variation on some on some like that I was seeing come through, and it was like someone saying like Stan Hansen in one breath, and then like the name next to it is again just some, you know, character WWF person or something like that from the eighties, and it's just like again, I think that was the, that's the beauty of it being best um, best um, sorry favorite not not best because um, like you say there as well, like I almost felt like tight when you were well, like, oh, what are your thoughts on Bam Bam Bigelow? And like, I was kind of a bit like, uh, well, you know, like it just meant nothing to me basically, but mm. it was in your top five and I, was, I sort of felt tight where I'm a bit like, eh, didn't like him that much really. And like, so, sorry, <laughs> like, kind of, but, but you're not in the same like justification, argumentative stakes as if somebody's like leaving someone out of a top five that you firmly believe is like one of the top five wrestlers of all time, you know. It's me being the Shawn Michaels guy versus you guys being, you know, the Bret Hart guys, isn't it? You know, I knew for a fact he wasn't going to get anywhere near one of your lists. And if I'm honest with myself, if I just judged it scientifically, I might, in fact, I will agree Bret Hart was probably the better wrestler, but that was who I loved when I was 12, 13, 14, you know, and that that type of stuff sticks with you, doesn't it? But yeah, I was going to say, we won't give the uh, the Patreon too hard to sell, um, as if that wasn't a hard sell, but uh, I'm very proud of that episode. So yeah, do check it out if you're, uh, if you're, you fancy it in the, uh, patreon.com slash grapple for all all of that in there we've got some other fun stuff uh coming up which i'm sure we'll uh we'll mention later on but in lieu of that um there was something we did want to uh, announce and then we uh gave a bit of a, a sneak preview of it and our, our weekend preview on friday but yeah we've uh actually got a, a partner for, um, for this podcast um and we're gonna have a, a special um special um watch along slash um hangouts with the, with the lads on saturday as well uh guys you want to fill people in with uh what's going on 
Yeah, we're delighted to be partnering with Top Rope Brewing um, for this particular month. Um, if you don't know Top Rope, they're a um, British uh, craft beer producer who they brew their beer around like wrestling themes. So they've they've always had their different um, different beer styles that they've brewed and always give them like a little wrestling name or wrestling angle or there's a slight nod to some like wrestling in, um, incident or event or something like that in the past in their in their beers and they're, they're celebrating their fifth birthday this month so um, we've teamed up with them and they've um, produced a, a, a grapple birthday pack uh, to help uh, help celebrate their their fifth birthday and um, um, one that there you can you can purchase through Grapple. So if you go to grappleapp.com forward slash support, you can you can buy the Grapple pack. So what that is is it's a six pack of wrestling themed beards beers. So you've got the uh, you've got the Wrestle Mania six uh, one. So that's their birthday IPA one. That's uh, you know got you if you go on. Um, the grappleapp.com forward slash support. You can see the the great artwork as well that they've got for these cans too. So that's very much down a WrestleMania six route there. They've got the the ultimate challenge, which is a like an American style lager that de- developed there, and they've developed two cans for that one. So you've got the um, you've got the Hogan uh, belt from WrestleMania six. You've got the Warrior belt from WrestleMania six as well on the the cans there as well. So again, that's a great beer and great artwork, but just. Um, couple of other examples as well you know i think they're pretty well known for their cold stone cream austin uh, beer that they uh, brew there as well so that gives you a flavor of the uh, the way that they'll work in the different beer styles into the uh, into the different wrestlers uh, names there and you can even get a uh, a chocolate fudge cake version of that so um you get the full uh, full details on that if you uh, for, so for just thirty quid, you can get six uh, four hundred and forty milliliter uh, cans uh, there. But if you want to order it through Grapple, if you use the code Grapple Mania with uh, with no e in there, obviously G R A P P L Mania, um, you'll get your delivery for free. And then Top Rope will know that that uh, particular beer sale has, um, has has come through our audience as well. So as well as getting the free delivery, we get a nice little uh, kickback from Top Rope as well for helping them um, sell a few of their birthday beers and um, yeah, help them celebrate their their fifth fifth anniversary. But like Benno said, um, we're going to have the lads from from Top Rope on our um, Patreon show this uh, this weekend. We're going to be do, use, doing our usual grapple hangout at the end of the month, and um, yeah, we're going to get the uh, the guys on there. So we're going to be drinking along. We're going to be having a few um, a few from the grapple pack ourselves, and talking to the lads about you know how they came up with the different beers, all the different themes, how they um, how they got into wrestling, and you know why the hell they decided to brew wrestling themed beer and uh, things along the way as well so um yeah so if uh, all our patreons join us uh, join us on saturday as well where you can uh, as well as the usual um stuff going on there with general q and a's for for us three and just having a general chat and things like that just uh, hanging out in a few beers you can uh, you can ask a few questions to the lads as as well and find out a bit more about that so should be a should be a good show looking forward to uh, getting a few of these beers down my neck same. Looking forward to it. I don't think you've had any of their. Be- We've well, had one of their beers, haven't you, JP? You were saying. Um, yeah. I've had. The, I've had a lot. Big fan of their uh, their um, their Papa Mango beer and um, a couple of the others as well. So there's a few few new ones in here to me too. I'm looking forward to this. Like I had to make sure just during that I sent Gareth my address again just to go. Yeah, just to, <laughs> yeah definitely make sure that yeah get, get those in. So I'm looking forward to having them. Sounds like a terrible fucker, don't I? <laughs> yeah, good beer. Mm. Get on with those can designs as well. Look fucking great. 
yeah can't wait can't wait so yeah that'll be a that'll be a, a lot of fun coming up and yeah let us know uh tag us in if you uh if you do decide to uh to use that code and like i said yeah code uh grapple mania to uh make sure you do get a get a free delivery there and uh yeah we can uh we will thank you uh in kind but we should move on um to the week in wrestling and unfortunately there's only one place to start again don't know if it's the uh the austin music again but <laughs> we'll get it out the way. <laughs> WWE releases. Um, <laughs> yeah, we talked. We gave our again. Gave our uh, speaking of Patreon, our, our first uh, first takes on this on uh, on Friday, JP. But we've had a bit of time to kind of uh, I don't know take take the news in. It was a bit of a surprise to be honest. These releases came like in the middle of the night on on Thursday night. It feels like maybe part of it was you know the likes of morrison and that maybe they were waiting for them to to get back from you know that european tour and you know there were probably names in here that they were considering cutting um the first time and and got rid of here but you know the names in in total uh john morrison uh isaiah swerve scott the former shane strickland top dollar uh, and ashanti the adonis yes that is all of the members of hit row we will get into that uh tegan knox uh, who has not had good luck drake maverick um who once again uh Put a put a bit of a, a video on Twitter. We can talk about Shane Thorne um, and Jackson Riker, um, which probably you know should have come a, a long time ago. Were released from the contracts. As far as we know, there's no more coming. But who knows? You know, this, this seems to be like a tradition now. It needs, gives us something to talk about on the weekend show on Fridays, JP. But you know, they're the uh, they're the reports so far. A bit odd because normally you know you, you can kind of see them coming on a Friday. It's a bit like. You know, kind of in the in the office when you're going to sack someone, you wait until it's a it's a Friday afternoon and they're going to cause the uh, the least fuss. But WWE's just not asked anymore. It's just like, ah, oh, yeah, we we'll just get rid of them what we want, um, and they're gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the the headlines here, I think, you know, one, it's it's hit row kind of being called up from from NXT, and you know, a lot of bluster from uh, from one top dollar about their uh, potential in the in the promotion and. Yep, a month and a half later, didn't quite uh, didn't quite work out for them. Uh, I think Drake Maverick's a bit of a Tegan Knox's, you know, is one where it's uh, it's just a sad story and all. And yeah, John Morrison's one that I definitely think was a uh, was uh, a bit out of left field considering how much he'd um, he'd been used on the TV. But yeah, um, any uh, immediate thoughts to uh, to this latest round, Gareth? Anyone that shocks you? I don't think you could be shocked by anyone outside That's of Roman true. Reigns. If you said Roman Reigns, you'd be like, yeah, I suppose. It's like <laughs> Roman Reigns or Becky Lynch. If either of those two are on the list, then I might be, you know, I might be surprised. Yeah. But, but no, you know, it's it's you know, you see that see that list of names, and it's just like no surprise, you know. Can any even things like, you know, like the hit hit row stuff, like the, you know. Top dollar and Swerve Scott, and you know, people will say to you, like, oh, they were over in NXT and things like, were they? Were they really? Kind of, you know, was it just a little bit of small bit of buzz, you know, with them, with them moving ratings and things? You know, it's so even them who seem to be the biggest surprise probably over the last two, um, two rounder cuts for, for people, even that still, it just like it, it, you know, it doesn't make any surprise to me that anybody on the list and you know at, at this stage where you know you've seen a world where bray wyatt's lost his job braun Strowman's lost his job mm. like you know could be anybody could be literally anybody yeah. tomorrow right now literally anybody yeah that's i mean I'd, I'd say on hit row like it is it's hard to say like you know they were popular in the the nxt zone 
you know, were they, you know, something that, that was going to translate? I mean, you know, people will point to the fact that, you know, their merch was selling out, that there was something of a buzz surrounding them. I think for, for me, it's kind of with them, it's the shock that, like, you know, even if you can get over to the extent of, you know, how much you can get over on the NXT roster and you can come to SmackDown with a bit of buzz, still doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, I think that, that goes from, like, a, a multitude of points. It's like, you know, spend all this time putting this act together, you know, giving them a lot of time on, on NXT, you know, putting the creative together, c- coming up with these characters. They seem to, you know, latch on with at least, you know, some fans. They come to the main roster and it's like, nah. <laughs> So yeah, Finch just doesn't like the look of you, or for whatever other reason, you know, they're gone. Like that is like for me, that's the one where it's like that's the surprising aspect of it. But also it's like it's a bit of a like, what do they actually want? Like, well, what you know, what more can you do? It's like it's kind of like if I was arrested in their system, it's just like it is disheartening because it doesn't seem to matter, you know, what you make of your lot or what you you try and do to get over, or even if you think you know things are going well, which clearly top dollar wrongly thought you know things were going well you know anyone as gareth said there jp is is available for for the cut and available for the chop and yeah just it just feels a bit like what's the point though <laughs> like if if you know mm. this isn't this isn't people on the margins being cut you know yeah you know shane shane thorne maybe or like even a drake maverick who i do think's a loss because i do think he's a talented wrestler but you know can't shock didn't shock him he was getting released because you know he had the video ready to go you know a jackson Riker who's not been used in a while it's a bit like you know if you figure your, your favorite football team cutting players on the fringes which is fine mm. but like to cut the the young players that you've just started putting into the team that's where it gets a bit odd you know the young players who you've just drafted and made a big deal of and you know three weeks later they're just gone like i made the joke earlier but if you were a young WWE fan, I was thinking like my, my little cousin kind of watching this stuff, maybe not following along closely. It'd just be like, where did they go? What happened? Like, I was really into that group, or I was really into Braun Stone, or I was really into Bray Wyatt, and now they're gone. And it's in the middle of, yeah, like you say, there's no rhyme or reason to it because it, it makes you feel if Vince is making the decisions on, on these, he's someone who decides things completely on a whim. Yeah. And doesn't and and you know I'm not going to bore people again with with a the kind of another rant about him being out of touch, but it it no one has a clue what he wants because he doesn't know what he wants, mm-hmm. and at that point, like you you're just pissing into the wind. So any creative ideas, they're never going to get any traction unless they kind of catch on in a big way. And even then, anything that catches on in a big way, remember things like Rusev Day, like mm. doesn't make any difference. So. Them doing it, I just think they're going to be timing this for every quarter because it's an easy way to kind of do something to the kind of general balance sheet by by releasing wrestlers. It, it, it kind of is an easy thing to do if they're wanting to, to kind of bump things up a bit and, and lower operating costs. But in terms of the, the wrestlers themselves and where they go, there's like some kind of obvious places, I think, for a couple of them. So I look at someone like Shane Thorne and I think, you know, him and Mikey Nichols and maybe even Jonah Rock do the Mighty Don't Kneel. That's yeah, like kind of a good... That, yeah, and that, that makes complete sense. The really interesting one is you've got an opportunity to bring in an act that appeared to get traction is different from... You felt like kind of like a, a slightly different presentation. And I confess, I'm not a hit row expert, 
always liked Shane Strick, Shane Strickland, like potentially like kind of a main event talent. You'd like to think in that time worked on things like promo ability and being able to work TV there. So there's a lot of upside. Do you bring them in as an act? Because mm. you've got the opportunity to do it and it's kind of strange, but also you've got the opportunity to let them cut loose, which would kind of make them more interesting. You know, yeah, I think that the, the thing they are going for and that you hit on there was like, you know, again, none of us are big NXT fans or are going to pretend to be, but like, you know, me being a hip hop fan, you know, you, they had like something, there was something current about them. There was something, mm. you know, that felt right. relevant about them in a, in a promotion that is lacking a lot of that, you know, it's lacking that kind of, you know, connection to, to pop culture and the like. I wonder though, if they've just got the stink of failures around them now. Like I feel like top dollars like just comes across as such a schmuck now that I'd be like, you know what? If I'm a, if I'm like an AEW or whoever brings, you know, Shane Strickland in, I might just bring him in on his own. You know, like as much as you know, we can say they had a bit of a buzz behind them, as much as there was money there on the table, I think, from a WWE point of view, I don't know, like it's hard to recover from you know what's happened to them here. Um a, a Chris Harris Wilson? run, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I'm gonna like top dollar might just never wrestle again. You know, he seems like that type. But I am, you know, as people have heard me say in the weekend show, I am bullish on Shane Strickland. I do. Mm. I think he made a terrible decision going to WWE. I think you know when AW was just launching was the time where apparently they were interested in, in him. We've talked about it on the podcast before, and it's a an issue. Those who know more about the subject have brought up you know better than we have. But you know the the lack of you know, African-American talent at the top end of, of AEW. You know, he's someone who, who who would have fit that criteria, you know, early on. And for whatever reason, he thought going to WWE was a good idea. Um, he's now wasted two and a half, out, uh, two and a half years of his career uh, in the WWE system. But I don't know. If I'm AEW, he's one of the ones I make an exception for and and give a look. I mean, is he someone you were high on on the Indies, Gareth, when you've, you've seen him in the past or someone you rate? Yeah, I mean, he's unquestionably is is good, and like I think he's one of the ones who actually, when you look at you know what I have seen in NXT over the last couple of years, even before the the hit row stuff, I thought he was doing good stuff even in in NXT, you know, prior to that, and you know, he's clearly someone who's from an, from a in ring side of things, but also from a crowd connection side of things as well. I think he's just somebody who's just got that some that it's something about him as any kind of thing that he that he has got that connection but again it, it almost like bleeds back into that debate that we've had a few you know pretty much every time this happens and it's the, it's the whole aw signing somebody and i'm just like are we ready for somebody else to be added to the mix and like one of you know i think i was whether it was last week or the week before we were talking about the last round of cuts <laughs> like that is like my big concern is the is the impact in the AW locker room as well, in the fact that you've you've got this very very young company that's been, you know, got to this point and it's been built on the back of the lads who've been there from day one. Some of them who I feel still maybe haven't necessarily had the proper rub of the green in terms of you know being featured on TV or getting the prominence that that, that they deserve, and then now. Seemingly every single week, there's somebody else coming into the mix who's, you know, stepping into the pecking order ahead of them. Who's somebody who's, um, you know, perceived to be a bigger star or a better talent and things like that. And my, you know, my worry is is the long term effects on kind of how harmonious the AW locker room is as well, because it always seems from the outside that it's one that's fun and it's you know people want to be there and people are happy and you don't get a lot of dirt kind of like seeping out really from the way things are behind the scenes in in aw as well but you know these things don't 
don't last to her. And it's, you know, we don't, people are competitive and people want to be on TV and people want to make more money and people want to get these opportunities. And if they feel like they've put the legwork in to get to a co- the company to a certain point and now they're suddenly getting a few more stumbling blocks, you know, put in the face. This is before you've even had the likes of your Kevin Owens or your Kyle O'Reilly's and things like that into the into the mix as well. You know, you start to you start to worry about that side of things for me. And then this is where I, I kind of, you know, I kind of do want a lot of, you know, some of these lads, even ones who are good, even ones that you would want, you would be happy to see in AW, just not immediately. And you you want them to go out there and just put a bit back into the, the indie scene or just go and, you know, just prove their worth and prove the value in it impact or, or or somewhere else as, as as well and just give something a bit different and prove that they're a, a bit more of a draw or something like that and, and and that's 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 where i'm i'm at it right now because i feel like it could have that could have that negative effect if we see if we start picking up people the only one on that list that i thought was tegan knox because again as the as the sure. women's division in aw continues to grow and develop and it is getting better and better and you can go from having maybe saying like two or three names in the division who are good or justifiably on you know tv i think you're now getting to kind of like eight or nine i think she's someone who you can slot in there and is a is a is another you know strong addition to to that particular particular roster but um from the men's side of things i'd just be i'd just be wanting to keep my power to dry at the minute yeah i, I mean i don't disagree with you really in principle, I think that the way I mean, it's easy to play armchair quarterback and say, Well, you shouldn't have done this. For me, it's more a retrospective problem. It's more, you know, you look at TV this week, you know, Tony Nice, Billy Gunn, Matt Hardy, Jay Lethal, you know, all featured. You know, go back to the signings of I know people are much higher than me, you know, a Christian, a big show, you know, those kind of guys. That's why you don't make those moves, you know, to me. That's why, you know. I would never have brought you know, the fact that Jay Lethal was on TV this week for 20 minutes in a decent enough match. But you know, I'm like, oh, I saved that spot for you know, you never know. WWE might release, like you said, they might release Roman Reigns next week. You know, there's going to be a better option than Jay Lethal mm. on the market in the next few months. Mm. Don't make that call. You don't need Tony Nice. I understand that maybe you've signed Bobby Fish because you're expecting Kyle O'Reilly to come in and maybe you want to do something with them. And you know, the tag team scene is a little bit different than the singles scene, but that's where I go because, like, you know, I. In an ideal, if I was running a wrestling promotion, you're right, I'd want Tegan Knox. Absolutely. Like that's that's someone who has, you know, got unlimited potential, has had an unfortunate run of it with injuries and stuff. And it's kind of easy to say, you know, that women's division AW does need the strength. But if also if I was running the company, you know, I would want, you know, a Drake Maverick as a, as a utility player. I would personally, I think I'm probably the highest of the three of us. I I'd take Shane Strickland and a heartbeat, you know, him and Keith Lee are people who are definitely have near the, the top of my cards, but for me, it's more of like that. It's that retrospective thing. Like I say, it easy to, is easy to look back now and go, oh, they shouldn't have made those calls. But I don't know. Mm. I stand by the fact they probably shouldn't have made those calls. Well, I mean, it, 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 part of the problem is it's the wrestling ecosystem at the moment. And this is something we spoke about with the last set of releases, which were five minutes ago um, when they released <laughs> the 18 people before that. Um, the issue is now is that, We've said we say this about AEW and people coming in, and Dylan brings up a good point in the chat, which is you suspect that contracts are just going to be allowed to expire. And yeah, and and, and that did you see that case. interview with Tony where he was, uh, I think he was on Busted Open or something like that, where he was basically and he made a good That's point, like 
well, yeah, he was saying that uh, the WWE, like you sign a WWE contract, you're not signing the contract, which is kind of what mm. we were saying last week. You know, oh. that's the thing. You know, it's so one sided. It's not like football where, like, you know, you get a contract, you contract your contract. It's, you know, it, the power is very much on the promotion side. But he did have to concede that. He did say that, you know, I don't like letting people go and I won't let people go, especially in a pandemic. But contracts might expire, you know, and, and yeah. there probably will be, you know, a, a time where a, a Joey Janela and wrestlers like that probably yeah. do get you know released back out into the wild so that does make some space there is a cull of that kind of first lot of wrestlers where they got people in where it was a limited marketplace and there was a bidding war for everyone so you kind of got mm. whoever you could get and the thing they never were able to get were people who were british that was one thing mm. that they weren't and that's how it ended up with sort of kip sabian on tv for sort of like a good year and a bit um but you can imagine a lot of contracts are gonna gonna let go but like i say about the ecosystem like impacts is packed it feels like new japan usa have got people i mean new japan are kind of you know hawking their talent around all over the place was jeff cobb in mlw at the weekend you know there's it's it's just like people are going around all over the place but it's limited and travel is limited where japan would have been an option to say for people to go there um it's easier said than done because when are they going to open up you know, when is that going to be available? To When are the people going to be able to get work visas and the rest of it? There's travel situations. There's European tours and the rest of it. So the independent scene feels very limited. GCW runs on a on a very limited budget. So for them to bring mm-hmm. people in doesn't feel like it's feasible. It's those parts where you think if there was a, a ring of honour or like a, a another national company out there, then yeah, they could take in a lot of the wrestlers. But let's be honest, there isn't the audience for that. There isn't the amount of people who'd be watching to perhaps make that viable. So it it's getting to the point where it feels like this next set of releases that are going to come, the next set that they do, because inevitably they're coming, it's going to be really difficult for some of those people to find work in wrestling because, mm-hmm. you know, how many spots are there? Yeah. I think one of the th- one of the things, though, as well is, you know, again, we've referenced it in, or maybe I've referenced it in previous weeks. There's a lot of people who've been released on these WWE, you know, cuts over the over the last, you know, series who should never have been signed in the first place. There's even there's even people like on the AW roster there where you think about contracts that might be, you know, running out in reality in 2021. Should someone like Luther be you know, signs to a major company, probably not. You know, there's you know other people there who was you know working a lot of those dark you know and shows uh, you know fill in the gaps at Jacksonville and things like that over that time period. In reality, they probably shouldn't be you know signed to a you know a major company, and I almost feel like you just with with the you know while there are options like you say things like Impact are you know, pretty stacked at the minute. You know, there's a lot of talent going to New Japan, um, US and uh, things like that. There's almost, I I think you're almost kind of just going to get to this sort of separating the wheat from the chaff stage almost. And then there's a lot of people there who you're almost kind of just going to have to prove yourself that you are justified and you are worthwhile of having a contract with a, with a, of of a certain level. And, you know, and you're going to have some who, they are just going to fall under the under the net, and it is kind of just going to be a little bit like, well, sorry, can't be jobs for 
everybody at this level in the old, you know, in the old days, everybody didn't have a job. Everybody didn't get to go and work for WWE. Everybody didn't go and get to work for WCW. The best people got signed. And this is where, when you like think back and you you look at when there was like British guys who were at the top of the top of the industry and then they got signed to WWE or they got signed to NXT before you had NXT UK. It was almost like a celebrated thing. It was like you've achieved mm. something, you've got to the top of your game and then you've been snapped up because you're that fucking good. Whereas for the past three or four years, it's almost been a bit like if you can, you know, put a pair of boots on and not trip up, you can probably get a contract somewhere kind of thing. And I think, you know, I, I think the, you know, the wrestling landscape does need that competitive edge to it where, the best people are the ones who are getting signed and then the ones who don't cut the mustard are the, are the ones who fall by the wayside because that's mm. that's the way it's always worked and that's the way it works in other sports and everything everything like that. You know, the, it, you get the kind of the scene as a whole will almost benefit from being this limited number of spots that you can get to because people are going to have to go there and try something different on the indies, you know, present their character in a different way, do something a bit creative, change the way they work and things like that to be noticed and have people generate a bit of buzz and things like that. So while obviously it's never good for, you know, it's never good for somebody to to, to lose their job when they're you know expected to have a certain level of income, equally you know, I, th- I think the impact on the the wider wrestling scene long term, you know, possibly can 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 only be for the for for the best, really. When you when you you're thinking about things in terms of quality and in terms of you know people just being a bit more creative and you know you know bringing that competitive edge to to it a little bit more. Then I suppose you see, you know, in the likes of you know a Drake Maverick, Maverick video where he's you know he's come up. Firing with that, he stand, who stands out more right now, him or Shane Thorne? You know what I mean? Like who's who's poised to to take advantage and do things? So the only the only problem with that analogy is that like there'll be there is no like I don't think that we have that recognition of talent or that recognition of like or that logic between like who they sign and and what you know who who makes it and and who doesn't like in theory yeah, but I think that the the, the WWE kind of mentality behind who they're signing we don't know what that's going to look like going forward i think if you stand out on the indies it probably doesn't mean you're going to get a wwe job going forward it might might well get you into an AEW or the like and i mean it might well get you into like a third company this is the other thing that people keep bringing up you know sean's made the joke there you know is it time for triple h's uh succession promote <laughs> i uh i made the joke on friday i want ring of hunter that's what i want i want triple h to get fed up with all his all his boys getting released in there Going to business with Slinker and start ROH. It just sounds like an EWR save to me, to be honest. I might do it at some point and play it, play it along on Switch. But, you know, that question does keep coming up, JP. Like, is there is there room for that third wrestling promotion? Is, you know, is that, the you know, what we see coming out of, of something like this? I think, you, you know, you, I think you're on to a loser from the start because, you know, everyone's attention and love and enthusiasm right now was with, with AEW. Like, how do you start? something fresh um you know at that high level like the talent might be there but you know is the fan base there is the mm. can the market take it you know maybe, maybe that you know maybe there's some tv executives out there who'll will pay money for a 500,000 viewer tv program akin to to classic you know nxt but uh, you know all the all the fans there to support it that's kind of the question and it's big money as a startup isn't it let's face mm. it you've got to be willing if you're going to 
like set up a major league wrestling promotion with the kind of national international emphasis you're talking about the guts of up to 50 million like i think that's what AEW was like that that's the kind of like level of startup money so i would almost see if you're a tv executive that's where you'll probably get impact and the mlw like the likes of those kind of hawking themselves out to you because they have the product they have the content and it's just a case of of, of paying them for that content i don't think there is the audience for a third promotion because mm-hmm. wrestling even though we are in these interesting times, it hasn't caught the zeitgeist yet. You know, we speak about ratings and sometimes they're very encouraging. And then sometimes they feel like somewhat lackluster and WWEs are only trending downwards. It takes something that's going to cause a kind of necessarily like a revival. So it gets into the popular culture again. And then at that point, you'll start to see people clamoring to kind of have wrestling on TV. But I think at this point in time, there isn't the audience for it. There may be television stations who think of it as easy content, but they're likely to go to one of the other kind of products out there at the moment. So sorry to piss on Ring of Hunter, but that'd be quite funny anyway from the get-go to do that. Well, or the idea of, of Jeff Jarrett setting up yet another promotion. Um, <laughs> you know he'll be involved. Oh, absolutely. If it's mm. happening, he is there. Would mm. I be entirely surprised? No don't think it would work because i also think as well conceptually it needs to be something different from what we're used to with like kind of television wrestling and i don't know if i've got the faith if there's anyone working in the industry who has who was kind of looking at it in a different way because even things like this week like jonathan gresham's promotion terminus to me fundamentally it sounds like kind of tetsujin no Am I wrong yeah. on that? It seems to be the vibe it's going for, which is absolutely fine at that kind of level. But there's very much a limited level to where that would get to. So what is going to be conceptually this new thing without any kind of big budget or anything else? More that, GCWs? I, yeah. And that ultimately, the GCW stuff, they go down, still carry on down the deathmatch route. That's a, you know, it, it's it's freak show stuff, ultimately. And it will never kind of connect with a larger audience. So I'm, yeah, I, I'm not keen at all on a third national promotion. I think what we need is the current ones mm. to kind of hit that, to kind of really raise the profile. AEW doing their part, as we'll probably talk about in a bit, WWE are not doing theirs. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know, Will raises a good point there about TDB as well. Like, you know, can they can they run the amount of hours of TV you've got? If they, keep, if they keep going at this 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 hook, I mean, it's, we're getting into hundreds of wrestlers they've released. I mean, there's one day, Gareth, you're going to be on this podcast, you're going to get the victory lap of all victory laps when they eventually sell. Because like, there's going to come a point where there's going to be like 30 wrestlers and it's like, because I've seen that point made, you know, at this point, you know, there's nothing more you can do. The, the TV ratings, the TV deals are locked in. You know, Peacock is locked in. How do you make any more money? Well, what you do is you cut costs. How do you make yourself look more profitable and look more attractive for sale? You cut costs. Like that's all they are at this point. I don't think that you know anything. Everything else is kind of incidental. I think that's you know they're putting putting a product out for the sake of a product, but that's where we're headed. This is where you then might get your Triple H succession promotion, where um, Mm. you know they sell up, get all that dosh, and then (laughs) try to do something on your own back as as a result of that. But but yeah, no, I, 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 I think if you know from from the, the point of view of like the third promotion, I think if there's if there's any if, you know 
you'd, you'd argue there might be like a gap for somebody to be doing something massively creatively different and it would be like outside of the traditional landscape so whether it's doing something using different you know presenting it in you know not via tv and it's via different more popular social media platforms or you know more short form or whatever but is there a proven model of making money out of that you know there there isn't you know and it, i think it's i think it's more you just see with wrestling people just follow the same things again and again and people just operate in the same way and i just can't see some can't see somebody kind of you know bursting out of the bubble and doing something wildly different that's then wildly successful you know on 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 the on the back of that really i think one of the things though that like the points that um I don't know. It, it, I almost feel like it's going a bit unsaid about this whole, you know, whole situation with all the all the releases and things like that. Is that it? Just um, I don't know. It, it kind of almost just like smacks itself of this short term thinking that we've seen in WWE in so many ways that obviously we've been onto for decades and things like that. It's yeah. one of the reasons why we deride the product and we're not into it and things like that. Is the is the no you know, the whole short-termism in storytelling and in, you know, just their approach to characters and the time that they give wrestlers and things like that. And I think just some of this thinking's just like from these from what's gone on this year, I almost feel like it's it's got to be bleeding through now to some of these people who've been stronger, longer term WWE loyalists now. You know, this this idea that, you know, you can't invest in a character. You literally cannot invest in a character or a or a storyline because people who were popular and they buy into and they stand up for online and you know they whether it's a Bray Wyatt or it's a Hit Row or things like that, then they're just they're, they're just gone. And like to me, it's almost like they're just going to be pissing off even you know a lot of their you know loyal fans there are there is going to be that kind of like outer core of those that are going to start crumbling away you know and it, it's something that's been seen and sort of proven with the you know the ratings to, to some point and i don't know did you yeah. see that paul Heyman interview with ariel helwani where you know he was <laughs> he literally he, didn't you know, answer a question <laughs> and but, but but also like there was there was the part in that where you know he was he was saying something about like it was like an idea for a story and it was something that was going to like develop over a number of weeks or a number of months and things like that. And like Vince is like, do it now, do it tomorrow kind of thing. And it's like, why don't just do it kind of thing. Just do it, just do it now. And there's, there's no thought behind it. There's no, you know, there's no logic to it and things. It's just that sort of short term decision making. And, and also I don't, I don't think they're giving any credit at all to the impact that it's going to be having on their their own locker room as well because like yeah all of these people who are getting released they've all got friends who are in the locker room currently and then but these people have all got friends at AEW who are significantly happier working in a better working environment as well like how many of their own locker room are thinking well, why should I bother trying? Why should I come up with ideas? Why should I put effort in? Why should I, you know, why should I care about this company? Why should I invest in my own career within this company and want WWE to do well? There must be so many people there who are having to just put yeah. like a friendly face on it, you know, overtly, but internally or and with each within, you know, their own group chats and when they're speaking to each other and things like that. They must have pissed off so many people who've seen their friends and their friends' wives and things like that just kick to the curb, you know, that, again, from a long-term point of view, they've just got no thought at all about what the impact's, you know, internally in their own shop and just getting it correct with the ones who are, who are like, 
left behind you know you you sort of you you're training people to not want to work there and then you look at the you know you the the younger talent who's out there on the on the marketplace if you're a if you're a 22 year old wrestler who's you know starting to get a buzz and you know starting to get over and a bit popular and you know AEW slap a contract in front of your and WWE do where like Realistically, yeah. these days, AEW's got to be the ambition. And like I think we were talking about this 12 months ago. We were saying any any young person, surely AEW's becoming the ambition. And those three WWE letters, the value in that to individuals has got to be dwindling. It's like yeah. massively so. Oh, now you're speaking my language. Like, yeah, totally. Like, and that's the thing. Like, it's remember when we were talking about Adam Cole as if there was a possibility of his staying with WWE? Should they give that lad more credit? Like, you know, why would you if you were Adam Cole? Like, and uh, you know, the Kevin Owens thing, you know, whatever, you know, we can definitely have the conversation about, you know, Kevin Owens and fitting into the AEW system and being another body. But if you are Kevin Owens and you're best mates with the Bucks and you're seeing the great time everyone is having at AEW and you're seeing all your mates getting sacked, or if you're you know, uh, Xavier Woods, who was like live doing some video game thing, finding out that yet more people he plays video games with on his YouTube channel have, have been released. You just, yeah, why wouldn't you have those gears turning in your head of of what the you know, the alternative is? And that's the thing. I mean, this this war on fans has been going on for a long time. You know, the Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. my way or the highway. This is my wrestling promotion. I'm basically just gonna ignore what the fan base wants and. It, started with john cena and it you know continued on with roman reigns and is it's just accelerated i mean you know even, even, it, becky lynch, to... even when becky lynch was getting over they were trying to push her as a heel like it, <laughs> yeah they almost, you know they were still trying to make Bianca a Bella, like, that time. like if i don't understand how these died in the world three fans still continue to exist you know we'll we'll kick off about you know what happened at services? Oh, they never, they never promised the Rock. Fuck off! Yes, they did, and there were a lot of people in that arena who were expecting the Rock by by hook or by crook, you know. And then, uh, you know, we can get into get into all that stuff, but it's like, you know, WWE is in a position now where the co- content of their TV hasn't mattered for years. I think like the start of that, it goes back pre this, but that's always been, you know, you say short term thinking, Gareth. Like the best example I think in the modern era is three hour rows. Like three hour rows was just like, well. We can get another hour's worth of money. Cool. Like, never mind the fact that that is going to burn out your audience and over time, you know, wear them out and get us down to literally a million and a half people watching Raw on Mondays now. Like, never mind that. There was more money on the table. And you can make the argument that that more money on the table over how long's Raw been? Three hours now? It's been a fucking while. Like, you know, uh, is it like eight, nine years, something like that? You know, they've made that extra money. It feels like 20. I'm sure it's really, if it's 10. But you can make that argument, I suppose, that it, you know, it's worth it for the extra money, but you're not thinking about that non-effective. Like, you know, why would why where were you gonna get new fans from? Like WWE's like entire philosophy and business strategies about like attracting new fans. I don't understand if you were a kid why you would start tuning into this stuff, why you would waste three hours of your Monday night, why, as you've said there, Gareth, you would invest in these characters who like, you know, imagine any other TV show where like a character is prominent as Bray Wyatt or Braun Strowman or or Hit Row even in the last few weeks just disappears with no explanation of where they are and unless you're on Twitter you don't actually know what happened to them like all of these little micro aggressions while if the end result is we want to sell and we want to make the you know the most money for it profitable I suppose that's the, the driving factor behind it but it's it's having this knock on effect on all these little things and it's a stack of dominoes waiting to fall. 
It is, and you know the ratings are down to like I think the last lot were just over one one and a half million. Mm. Like that's what it's down to. Like and to give people context, there was a time when it was ten. Like it was, it was it was competing with Monday Night Football. Like it was something that took a chunk out of football's audience. Um, so you see the general popularity levels. I think, and it's it's a point actually um, that that Will has raised before. Like if you look at like the, I think the TV rights deal is going to influence quite a lot of stuff because I think the key is does AW eat in to what were those guaranteed that big money guaranteed deals with WWE if they continue along the kind of trajectory where they are where they're really struggling to connect with any kind of younger audience on a real meaningful scale and it's starting to depreciate because i think like nxt it's like it's like a hundred and like ninety thousand people in the 18 to 49 i don't know all the various things but not reading too much into it but it's getting down to really low numbers like kind of like your fox news kind of old people type numbers and I think AEW eats into that. That's then when you kind of see the company in, in kind of trouble because then all of a sudden, what is Wall Street going to think of that if they're not able to increase on TV deals when the expectancy is they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and they're going to see that better value product out there with younger people, which at the end of the day with AEW, when they do get a TV deal, expect them to be given more hours as well. Now, you'd like to think they're wiser to avoid three hours and look for a... I suggested it before a one hour, a one hour all women's product on national TV. That's the kind of stuff they should be aiming for doing. It's not been done before on a meaningful scale. That's what the part of the next TV writes. So anyway, it seems to have gone fantasy booking with it. It's a landscape, but it's a Mm. landscape with WWE that just really doesn't look good. But you know, them, they fall upwards though, don't they? Like three hour rows should have tripped them up. Like, you know, this, this, the fact that the product's been so bad for so long should trip them up, and yet they they constantly get monster deals. You mentioned there, you know, you look at the Premier League, what they've just got in America, where it's like four hundred to five hundred million a year, sixty million a year. They're probably they're probably with all this said, probably going to still fall up to a great TV deal. You know, like how long have we been having these conversations about the the skies falling with WWE, and it never never seems to happen. What what you've um, I, I think with that though is like. You know, as you sit back and you think about that, like next AEW TV deal, and you think about where they are able to get competitive in the demos, and when you look at the what um, AEW are earning for their current TV deal in comparison to what WWE are getting for theirs, in many ways, it almost just becomes, you know, it's almost like there's this folly of competition of of WWE, and it's almost as if AEW is like using WWE to some degree at the moment because they're sort of they're almost just piggybacking off these ridiculous deals that WWE have had. Then as AEW as AEW are able to compete with them on, in reality, what are relatively no numbers. of individuals if that that next aw deal should be massive it should be monumental compared to what they're earning now and then in which case wwe kind of doesn't matter anymore because they can do what 
they want to do in their own little space. And AW is then suddenly going to be generating this monster money for themselves to be able to, you know, exist within themselves and create whatever content they want to create and shape their shows and their live events and things like it. And, and it's almost like you would then have this company that is operating as a pure wrestling company that's got outside of the Khan's money is actually generating big you know tv money behind it as well and and then it's almost a bit like fuck wwe it almost doesn't matter what they do because they've set the benchmark for this for the for this money that you you can get your hands on really so you know in 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 many ways it it, it it's 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 all about that that next t- tv deal and then you know like fuck wwe they can they can, they can do what they want at that point because aw suddenly becomes a massively profitable organization yeah I suppose some of that comes down to, you know, do, do, do AEW want to take suitors? Do they want to stick with TNT? You know, will TNT, you know, volunteer that level of money? You know, will Turner volunteer that level of money without there being, you know, a, a competition there? But you have to imagine it's going to be a, a lot more money. And you have to imagine, yeah, you know, that is, that's the game they're playing. You know, that, that the reason AEW exists, the business plan Tony Khan set out was, look at these fucking monster deals WWE you get and imagine yeah. even a number two, even, you know, you look, what, what are the AEW numbers right now? You know, a million a week. WWE 1.5 million. That's not. There's not a lot of difference in that. Add that West Coast back in. There really isn't much difference in that. And even if you're number two, and even if you were number two by a bigger distance, you know, there's clearly, you know, that is clearly their business plan. That's why Tony Khan loves talking to Forbes or putting, making sure those news stories are out of, you know, okay, yeah, we're not beating the WWE, but we're in the conversation, and it's going to be about like keeping their name circling around the WWE's name until 2024 when those deals come up. Look at the gap in the ratings. I'm pretty sure a couple of years ago, Raw was comfortably doing over 2 million, probably around 2.2, 2. 2.3, mm-hmm. down to one and a half. If you look at the way that gap has gone, it's probably, it's halved in those two years since mm-hmm. they've come into effect. And that's really without AEW kind of massively growing as much as anything else. It's just kind of like smart, sent, putting on a, sm- a relatively smart, sensible product television product that's kind of entertaining to watch which is what wwe have forgotten but i fear for them like i still always think like they'll find they can easily find themselves out of the zeitgeist and when that stuff happens like and all of a sudden it's just they're not cool i feel like i've said this for the last five years and eventually i'll be right but if their response to the current creative woes is to basically bring back vince mcmahon on tv with a golden which is well yeah what is it? Weekend at Bernie's with and a melted egg. face. Yeah, <laughs> he had their Crichton head number four on this week. <laughs> he did. Didn't he? He's you. starting to look like that fucking dinosaur head he's got in the office, isn't he? At this stage, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was brilliant. I think they had to come out. I was like, I just had like Survivor Series on, like half paying attention. And he gets out this limo with this gold fucking egg, and he's got like the jobbers applauding him as he comes out. It's so fucking. That show. Because that's the idea tonight. That That is their answer. Tonight on Raw, there's going to be a whole, the whole story is going to be who who stole the golden egg cup or whatever the, the fuck it is from that rock movie. I don't really understand it, but they didn't explain Do I need it either. To explain it. Go on, JP. What is it? If we're going into Survivor Series or getting the oh, it'll take us five minutes, Victory. Yeah, I'm not going madly in depth. All I say is, if you haven't seen it, keep it that way. You're missing Mm. nothing. Um, The film itself, Red Notice, which I it was on Netflix. I put it on because The Rock was on it. Was a perfectly serviceable kind of standard 
like load of big stunts and hijinks art theft shit with Dwayne with uh, The Rock, Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. It's kind of just a nothing film, I have to say. It's just like a kind of big budget Netflix kind of nonsense that they can afford to to kind of put on at the minute. So yeah, don't you don't need to go out of your way to see it. If you do see it, it's an, a perfectly passable way to spend like an hour and fifty minutes of your life. I'm fucking haunted by that film after this. I never never want to hear about Red Notice again. Like when he came out the car and they're all chanting egg, and you look and you can see Adam Pierce is one of the main figures, and you just look yeah. and go, "What's happened to this company?" Where Adam Pierce is like a, like an authority figure on WWE TV, he'll be NWA champion again in six months. Nailed on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now they've turned him heel. They couldn't help themselves getting overly because yeah. he was doing quite a good job as babyface GM. Hundred percent, this will run its course in the next three or four months, and he'll be out on his ass with the next round of cuts. It's coming. But, it, uh, it was, it was but so the, the, the MacGuffin of the film are these bloody eggs, these um, Fabergé eggs, and the last one is the <laughs> the fucking yeah, Cleopatra's egg or something like that to give to a billionaire his daughter's birthday party. It's a load of bollocks, absolute <sighs> shite. Just like a MacGuffin, which is just you know Ryan Reynolds taking the piss and Rock doing rock style things. Well, Speaking the of entire... the Rock, yeah, well, that, that was the that. entire point. That like, it was like. Vince was like, oh, I got this gift from The Rock. Oh, what a great man. And they <laughs> this was part of the overall presentation, which I know you want to watch, Gareth, where they literally spent four Mate. hours. Like, it was a love letter to The Rock. It was like, oh, I remember when Rock debuted 25 years ago. We had all these highlights of Rock's career. Everyone's referencing him during the show. Vince has turned up to, to talk him up in a segment with Roman. Roman's hitting a rock bottom in the main event. They're building up the fact that the that, that Hollywood rock um, show debuting after after the pay per view. It's it's a big celebration of twenty five years of rock, and the rocks just swerved them. The rock gave more, and I've, this is I've seen this point a few times. I think maybe Gary Kidney made it first. Like the, the rock gave more to Ken to Ken Shamrock and DNA Impact Wrestling than he did to WWE this year. At least he got in his garden in his tight t-shirt and cut a little promo for the lads at Impact. WWE, he just couldn't be asked. Like it's the so, same like, place that he promoted Joe Biden in, by yeah, the way, like the exact was, yeah, same David. fucking location. Oh, maybe he's just like he's keeping his distance. He's like, oh, I'm going to run for president one day, so I want nothing to do with these fuckers. But it was so embarrassing. They were so pathetically like trying to be like, well, we know the rock. It was like, we know the rock. Yeah, the rock, the rock is in our company. <laughs> and meanwhile, the rock doesn't give a fuck. It was like, yeah, it was awful. And he never was going to come, wasn't he? He was in Australia, wasn't he? Was yeah, it was never that? happening. But it I understand. Never happening. If you're one of those people who goes to, I mean, I don't know why you would fly out to survive seas. I know there are a lot of UK people out there, some More journalists who yeah. I think got paid to be out there, but you know, there were people who also made the trip of their own, you know, volition. I wonder why you do that for red shirt, blue shirt pay per view. But if you went and with this heavy handed stuff, expected The Rock, considering the fact that pretty much all of The Rock's appearances over the last 15 years have been surprises where he comes out. Like that's another one where it's just like just kicked in the face for like yeah, but we were actually just we were just basically giving the rock a virtual hand job for four hours. We weren't actually ever going to have him on the show. Oh, so embarrassing. And again, it's just that short term thing as well, isn't it? It's just trying to get that kind of like one week pop of a bit of thing of something like 
rock related or something like that it's, you know i even yeah. saw stuff online today where people were like oh but he might be at raw tomorrow and you're just like he's not going to be at raw tomorrow like it you know it's just, you know it's just, just like seriously take a step back and look at things and like obviously i didn't watch a, a second of the show all i saw was like the clips online so i saw like vince getting out of his car with his egg and all the people like clapping and cheering and all that and i was thinking like how you know to my point earlier how many of those people who are having to put them big smiles on their face and clap this man getting out of the car have just seen their best friend like lose their job three days ago or something like that and are they having to just like perform like you know <laughs> ridiculous you know you levels do a sweep of on what praise. percentage of them are going to be released by like end of year <laughs> i was going to say wrestlemania but you know what 31st of december i reckon 50 percent gone i was just say absolutely <laughs> half Actually, yeah. half of those, every one of those people are gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it is, yeah. Just embarrassing. The whole thing was embarrassing. It was just acknowledge us, Dwayne. You know, like, what a desperate show, mate. Oh, and who, who, won, who, who won? Red or blue? Who won? <laughs> oh, the Temple of Food is, is now red. Although, you know, it should have been green all along to, to use the red dwarf reference. But it, it, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, yeah, like the whole show, it was there, it was on, but it's just, I don't, I'm I'm so, I don't know what to say about it. Like there are little bits that I liked from it, but it almost feels like I, I'm kind of just predisposed not to like it. And when you've got this whole show built around a man who I know is not going to turn up, it just looks like, why are you doing this? There's still a part of them that like to spite their audience. They, ha- they haven't learned that fundamental lesson. Yeah, I, I don't know what they should. I mean, you know, it's 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 complete fool's errand to like second guess WWE because they don't care. Like they don't. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. If it if I was them though, like the, the only notes I've got from the next round in the Barclays Center. Yeah, I would. Oh, yeah. You would like to think some of those people are going to go fuck this. I'm not going mm. to this anymore. I've had enough. But all you have to do is put Roman and and Big E on first. And then you know, like I don't think anyone expects the Rock cut to come out in segment one and close with 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 um with Charlotte and Sasha, who they opened with. Like easy switch done. If you have any respect or forethought for your audience, because that was the thing, you know, like mm. after after the show, they had that Hollywood Rock documentary on where they talk about like uh, you know the whole period where they turned Rock heel after the, the Hogan match, and it was a dead interesting documentary because they got Bruce Pritchard sat there. Because it's 20 years ago, he can be like, yeah, you know, The Rock was starting to get booed. So you know what we did? We listened to the audience and we followed the audience and we came up with this great creative idea. I'm just watching it going, yeah, you can say that about anything that happened 20 years ago, but like you can't apply any of that logic to now. Like it's, you know, because it's old. Yes, we can, we can, we can, we can, you know, we acknowledge mistakes before and we paid that level of attention to detail. But, you know, the four hour show that came before it, yeah. You're not getting that there, and yeah, I, I mean, I've I've got barely anything to say about the show. I enjoy Biggie's Seinfeld gear, bit nerdy, yeah. but you know, it was quite cool to see when I. Uh, well, he is a bit nerdy, the, uh... and yeah, he was doing yeah. another boxing introduction, I think, for yeah. Sean Porter at the weekend. Getting mainstream attention this week. Lost to Roman Reigns in the main event. Oh well, like I don't know. It's Roman Reigns, so you probably do want to put Roman over in that title versus title situation. But maybe just don't book the match. Maybe maybe do 
yeah, you know, Roman and the Usos versus the New Day. Maybe that'd be something interesting to do in a on a Survivor Series face review. But again, or, 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 or maybe you. Just, I was going to say maybe you just have a series of storylines that have got you know so much depth behind them, or or even a slight bit of depth that you don't even need to do red against blue because you've actually got feuds running throughout your promotion that that means something. I mean, like I I didn't watch a second of this this event. I was never going to watch a second of this event, like no matter what they put on it. But I was sitting back at, like yesterday and I was thinking Survivor Series, it used to be one of my favorite, favorite things, the team like environment. And I was like, I, I was literally looking back and I was thinking about like Survivor Series 1990, which was like the first one that I watched in like real time almost that I hadn't, you know, I'd not gone back and watched it, watched on like previous videos and things. And like, Again, like looking at the card, you had like teams that were made up about by the fact that like Demolition were feuding with the Legion of Doom, Texas Tornado was yeah. feuding with Mr. Perfect, mm. like um, fucking you know Hulk Hogan was feuding with Earthquake. You even had things like Nikolai Volkov was feuding with Sergeant Slaughter at the time. You had you know just Rhythm and Blues and the Heart Foundation. You had these feuds that were going on throughout the, you know, how many things did I mention there? Eight, nine, maybe kind of thing. Mm. Storylines that meant that they could put these teams together and they could put on an event that every single match felt like it mattered. Jake the Snake against Rick Martel's team. I think, you know, there was there was heat there. There was a there was there was there was a reason for these matches to be happening, and the, you know they were built over stories over over a certain period of time. Can you imagine if they tried to now put together a Survivor Series where you had like four or five, you know, four versus four teams, and it was like trying to create a justifiable reason why any of these people on either of the teams were against each other, other than the fact that I've got a red T-shirt and I've got a blue T-shirt, even though you were in a blue one last week and I was wearing a red one last week. Like, it's it's it's, it's like just in the draft. There's 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 no there's there's literally there's no depth to it. Whereas actually, if they could build some feuds that like you know gave you a reason to want to see this person team up with this person and take on these people. It might actually be interesting, but no. Well, you will be pleased to know they didn't have, like, for they didn't play up. It's very weird. They didn't even play up a lot of the brand rivalry stuff as up as much as they have done in previous years. So the, the yeah, there was no, reason, there, there match, was no reason like, why red, they were taking each other on. Yeah, <laughs> which was the weirdest thing in the world. So like, they're really, re- like, honestly, to God, they did I a felt bit like, like in the women's match. They had like the the women on the yeah. side in blue gear and the women on the raw side. And the which battle I, I, royal. You prefer to the t-shirts. The battle royal and pizza battle royale with just a. Mm. Oh yeah, there's just a big domino. Pizza. That one. Oh, pizza hut. Yeah. yeah, and you're like. Uh, right okay this is why this exists is you paid them a hundred thousand whatever and you're just going to throw a match onto the card with no meaning so omos can win that was the that my fundamental thing when i walked away from it was just a complete lack of heat because as gareth says there's no feuds being built here like there's one match there with a feud and it was the opener and that was the the charlotte becky thing which is you know they had a good video in front of it as well and i think you know the match itself was interesting and it was kind of, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was quite good. But at the same time, like as I came out expecting to hate the finish, which I did. And I just again felt like kind of like just watching it going, this is why I'm so disaffected from the product. This is one of your big four tent 
tentpole pay-per-views. And I just thought, why is it? They don't care about the elimination concept other than they, they have those like brand supremacy ones, which doesn't mean anything because they're owned by the same fucking company. So like it doesn't mean anything at all. So there's no stakes to it. The one novelty it had with the elimination matches they've kind of done away with. It's no different to most other like pay-per-views. And it has been that way for a long time. So I kind of like when Gareth says, Oh my God, it's like it's Survivor series. I just kind of see a concept that over time has just become meaning less and less and less. And this show is completely skippable. Completely. Yeah, don't waste too much time. <laughs> I want to move yeah. on. I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any individual thoughts on any of the matches? Like I, we don't Charlotte, Charlotte Becky would be the one yeah. if you're going to go and watch something because it's quite weird. It was worked in a different way, and that it actually was worked kind of like a grudge match. So. It was a bit messy and a bit scrappy, but it kind of never stopped, and it was, it was never dull at any point. I mean, three and a half I stars. This. I went three and I'm a half not, on it as well. Yeah, not going above that for it. But I thought that was the one thing. I mean, I hated the ending. Like the ending, kind of, and apparently they'd done it on another one of the. I think it was the Crown Jewel show with it as well. But like, I just thought oh, they can't do. They just can't do finishes. They struggle with that fundamental concept, I think, a lot of the time of of finishes to matches without getting kind of overly cutesy with it the whole time. And, you know, a bit of shit talking gave it a kind of a bit of reality there as well. But I immediately felt, right, this match over, I was like, oh, Christ, am I going to have to sit through the other three and a half hours that are scheduled to go past on this fucking thing? And you'll be pleased. I just sort of gave up towards (laughs) the end. Like I kind of watched Roman Biggie. That was all right. It never really got going. All right. Um, yeah, I it didn't feel like it was... five. Yeah, I wouldn't. Maybe three and a half. I'd never go higher than that. Like, it felt like it was just starting to get going, and it ended. Uh, yeah. Kind of <laughs> my summation of that one. I did feel like it being non-title, and you know, it was already a clean sweep, pretty much as far if you cared mm. about the brand supremacy stuff. It just didn't feel like it really mattered, and it felt like a building full of people waiting for waiting for the rock to turn up. Um, and like I say, that rock bottom spot didn't really help. But oh, it woke moment, them all you know, up, big didn't it? Throwing each other out. Yeah. Biggie doing that spear through the ropes is always gonna always gonna grab me, and I I do like a bit of bit of Roman Reigns, but. Yeah, it, it didn't really, really get going for me. That was kind of the highlight, really, as far as match in ring match stuff goes. Yeah, outside of it, like the men's elimination match, there were some bits in it that were good, but in the sense that a Survivor Series match can be, because you can have a lot of actions and kind of hide people out of it. But it's just looking at some of the characters and how kind of like people like it's like it's not Baron Corbin, it's Happy Corbin, <laughs> and you're like, what? what is this? Like, what is this character meant to be like really? And I'll be like, Oh no, he's having a bad run of form. And now he's hit lucky. And it's like, "Eh." okay, that's world championship material, isn't it? And that's building up your next fucking flair. Like it's, it's like the other stuff on there, just like the battle Royal was a battle Royal. The tag match was a tag match. Shinsuke Nakamura, honestly, it's like a parody of someone just collecting the money at this point he just goes i'm gonna do my dance and i'm gonna collect my money and off fucking surfing i go until i have to end up in japan and i'll have to go through a couple of shit kicking matches a couple of times a year but he's just completely checked out 
Whereas Damien yeah, Priest now is starting to look quite old, weirdly, mm. I thought. Or his why age, do, as it always would be. Why do you do a battle royal on the pay-per-view right before the Royal Rumble <laughs> as well? When Survivor Series is supposed to have its own identity. Like When I was putting yeah. that on the app this morning, I was like, a battle royal on the Survivor Series? Why? Like, yeah. it just, you know, and I found out why it was a Peter Hutt advert. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've killed that. Like I said, they've killed that concept for it. But yeah, you're right, Benno. We spent far too much more time yeah. than we planned. We keep doing it. Let's just stop. Like it's there's no, there's no interesting conversations to be had. I don't think it was the only pay per view. It existed. It was funny. They 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 sucked up to the rock. A couple of okay matches. That's about it, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's it. In summary. That's, a, that's it. <laughs> Should we move on to something a bit more interesting? This will mm. this will peak get you go get you going, lads. I think the uh, this will uh, get the other uh, fancy booker in uh, in Gareth going. We had a uh, bit of New Japan and uh, and Noah uh, news uh, this past weekend. It was announced that after a bit of teasing on Twitter, New Japan and uh, and Noah are going to be working together. Um, we, we all kind of looked at you know the Wrestle Kingdom um, schedule for next year and kind of wondered why there was that weird straggler of a of a third day. And it turns out what we're going to be getting is a. A night of uh, New Japan versus Noah Dream matches. Um, they specifically said in the in the press conference that it is separate from the New Japan World offering, so it does come with a bit of a hefty pay per view price that looks about thirty five pounds uh, or so for the uh, for the privilege of it. Um, you know uh, that's whether whether yeah you know that's the reasonable price considering you know the price of New Japan World it might be a question. Although apparently it is going to be released um on new japan world the uh, the week after but now i think the uh the actual concept as far as doing this as a as a wrestle kingdom night three idea you know considering hopefully at that point we'll have something resembling normal ish crowds going hopefully at that point you know new japan can kind of get going again as far as being a you know an interesting promotion it was kind of pushed that this might be the start of multiple new japan versus um type situations coming through the year which you know excites me maybe there's a maybe that aw um thing happens maybe they do something with cmll in fact you probably bet your bottom dollar they're gonna do something with uh with cmll but yeah a lot of uh a lot, a lot of interest surrounding this. The most interest I've seen um, surrounding, you know, a new Japan mm. news story in a while, and something, uh, yeah, that looks like it'll uh, very much benefit uh, both companies. Well, it's already sold out. Mm. Your Arena, seventeen thousand. Yeah, um, this no is going east and lariat. Yeah, apparently it's already That's sold insane. out. Seventeen thousand, which tells you, like, fundamentally, why is this happening? Maybe they should have done Tokyo Top. <laughs> well, but then they've already rinsed the market out. It's also the point that those two other Tokyo Dome shows really pale into insignificance into this, which, you know, let's face it, it is it's the only it's like the real bit of like kind of like excitement around New Japan in what feels mm. like such a long time. We're talking like kind of possibly like being excited about new japan you're going back to 2018 or something like that because new japan don't play well with others mm. um i you know there's there's obviously history here um if you can remember that time that bushi road effectively were were kind of funding noah and then they sent over suzuki gun and then basically 30 percent of the noah audience just dropped off because they absolutely hated it it's been booked by um jedo jedo on it yeah um uh for that but this one is more interesting now it can all go tits up 
in a heartbeat because it's politics there's egos there's animosity there's that kind of very old school mentality that surrounds about japanese wrestling but there's loads of interesting stuff because it feels like they're teasing a load of singles matches that's the way the press conference was set up that's the way the posters are set up and if it's just a series of multi-man matches then it doesn't mean anything it's just a friendly game between two big clubs in uh in like a, a sort of special venue, but it feels here we're going to get that. So then you're going to get the politics around the booking, the potential mm. matches that they've kind of hinted at, whether it's Nakajima versus Shingo, you know, there's, you know, the likes of Kiyomiya, whether, it, you know, it was a Carter, but then at the press conference they were setting up, it might be Tanahashi. Um, it also feels like a Beamer testing out the pay-per-view waters. Cause like yeah. I say, like, you know, there's, there's the kind of test of that. It's not on fight as far as I'm aware. So, they're doing it directly now if they can get 50,000 for that I know that seems like a big number but I don't think that sounds particularly crazy given the interest this appears to have gotten here and then that probably would lead on to a knock-on of subscriptions to to Wrestle Universe and um I think JP drive subs are going to be up yep they're going to be up as well and Wrestle Universe are going to be the end (laughs) of the um other thing as well so it, it my fears are things like you know this is not the time for any weird KG Muto shit, but I've got a bad feeling that this bloke is somehow going to work his way into some nostalgic IWGP chat title challenge against the Carter, whoever else is there. It's not beyond the realms possibility and the cunt will make it about him. That's why I didn't make my favorite wrestlers list. He would have been there in a heartbeat a couple of years ago. I'd have forgiven all the fucking, you know, all the other cowboy shit he gets up to, but he's, genuinely pissed me off in the last sort of year and a bit it's been quite amazing um it it is uh, notable isn't it you look at like the post that it's okada tanahashi shingo and then koto kiyomiya who i was happy to see yeah nakajima and muto star power i suppose you know for the poster and stuff but it does put noah on their level there is a psychological thing about this where it does kind of put them on their level and cyber fight kind of i don't like money wise they're very well backed we've seen it with the production values and the investment they put into wrestle universe so if a new japan we've seen their attendances go to shit they both need this and they both need this to work so if they're fucking grown-ups there is a ton of money to be made new japan's biggest boom period is the uwfi feud and all the rest of it which obviously was the precursor you know formed the template for the nwo feud and things like that Interpromotional stuff fucking sells and it sells big time because it's proper, like, kind of feels like you're going into dream match territory. You know, God, I was thinking to myself, imagine Ishii versus Sagira for the never title. There is a like, I know that's like the thing about it. If you do some singles matches, you've got some re- every match would have a degree of interest to it. If they do it properly, like, kind of a few multi mans at the bottom and about yeah, four or five that, singles right? matches. Do that, and I swear to Christ, people will be happy if the matches deliver. How about you, Gareth? Well, you're excited for what your uh, what your combos? Muso versus Goto. Um, I honestly thought you know, that was Goto on the poster at first. Them and Shingo are ringers for each other, but I was glad it was I, Shingo. <laughs> I was wanting a Muto against Sonata Iron Man match. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no evil, mate. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Let's make it even worse. <laughs> no, I just, like you're like. Again, almost it's 
I almost feel like quite fortunate that it's the last sort of 18 months that I've sort of really yeah. more heavily got into Noah. So I've been obviously following it and know the product much better. And obviously you're watching their shows and you're thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be good to, you know, watch, um, you know, like that, like a Nakajima, mix it with Shingo or a Nakajima, mix it with Ibushi or, some, or some, something like that, you know, different, like different match variants there. But yeah, it's just immediately just got you excited about a few things like, for me, I was, I was just immediately thinking of like Ishii against Masa Kitamiya. Like to me, that I was just like, oh, that'll be just ace. <laughs> like, I, like I just think them two just just going at it. The, but the, um, you know the styles them two have. That's that was just like mouth watering for me. But even just things like New Japan stuff that's like incredibly stale as as well. Like things like the tag division. Like I was immediately thinking of like, oh, if if like Zach and Taichi against like Sakuraba and Sagira. I was thinking that'd be a cracking match. I was thinking like Sakuraba and Zach doing doing a few bits there and then um I'd, I'd be proper into that. I was just thinking about like oh like Keno against Ibushi or Keno against Kenta or something like that. Then like again they're just like two two belt matches. It's definitely got me excited, you know, as I think we talked about the other week about what is it? What what is it going to take that gets you like excited for something that New Japan are, are putting out? And like the build towards, you know, Wrestle Kingdom wasn't you know particularly exciting. And then when you saw like the proposed matches for those first two days of the, you know, the Shingo Okada, and then like on the second day, it'd been like Osprey. And um, again, it just felt like oh, it's just so obvious kind of thing, and just the 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 way it's working through. Obviously, it's going to be like good matches and things, but this just really feels like it's it's just got the juices flowing, and it's just really kind of just got you got you excited and thinking about these these possibilities, and then even just down you know down to some of the interviews, like Okada's interview. Like I don't did you oh. did you read did you read that like what you know where he was basically just been so like dismissive of, of Noah and they were saying about like Muto coming right. back yeah, it was like like Muto coming back and he's like like oh did he like oh, I didn't know and stuff you know just like very just like it was just so just like it was it was, it was just great stuff that just thought oh here you go there's like a nice bit of nice bit of needle here that you you're putting into the mix as well so it's not it didn't. You know, from the off, it didn't feel like, oh, it's just going to be some nice little kind of, um, you know, testimonial style event kind of thing where it's all just a bit like half ass and things. You're actually like, oh, no, they're, they're putting a bit of putting a bit of juice behind this as well. So very uh, eagerly anticipating this one. Do you remember the G1 final brawl when Nakajima was in the G1? I'm mm-hmm. sure Marafuji was in it as well, I think. Yeah. And... That brawl was fucking great. It was one of those times when the New Japan crowd got really heated. Like, they hated Noah. Do you remember them just, like, booing them vociferously? And it ended up with Nakajima and Shibata trading headbutts and just all-out carnage. And he never went anywhere, ultimately. Well, good for Shibata, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, he did. He went somewhere very fucking dark for him. But, like, for the on the whole, like, the angle itself just never went anywhere. No, Noah was bought out by Ledette and then eventually by Cyberfight. But it's, it's, it's look, it raises interest in the Japanese scene. It's done a sellout crowd immediately. You like to think that money talks here and that mm-hmm. they realize that they need each other at this point in time. And if it means New Japan opening the doors, because the, I think the problem with New Japan is they always want the relationship on their terms. And more often than not, if you think about the relationship with Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor were there just merely as a conduit to 
getting their stars known in the US. That's what it was. It was, you know, and they fulfilled that and things like Madison Square Gardens, they were just a means to an end. Like, I don't know if a fine, a well financially backed Noah is going to be in the same position to kind of roll over. I'm not saying that they're going to be directly competing, but there's space out there. And Noah, unfortunately, will shoot themselves in the foot. That's why I don't watch whole cards of theirs, because I know that there's bits of it will get me annoyed, like the main event tag. Um, and you watch them and you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes, why is, you know, Vegeta and Muto going over? And it's not like any of these young guys who have a degree of talent and, and a bit of kind of freshness to them. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. It could easily go wrong. This may be one and done. Don't be too surprised if that happens, or it might lead to something cool. You like to think from the posters and everything else, it's suggesting that. And the fact there's a bit of needle around there because Taiji Shimori lied to them. He just went, I'm going, I'm retiring from wrestling and traveling the world and then showed up in New Japan. It was Eastern <laughs> Lariat today when listening to them reminded me of that story. I was like, oh yeah. Great oh, proper shithousery, that one. So I also wondered as well, do we get Kenta versus Marafuji? Uh, as long as Marafuji was yeah. pissed, he went to New Japan, wasn't he? There's money in that, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, There's money in that. I mean, they could do an invasion and have Kenta jump back, but let's hope they uh, they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do it properly. No, I'm honestly like I'm obviously not as big an Noah fan as you two guys, but it just feels like a bit of a shot in the arm. It just feels like oh, let's think out the box a little bit, like you said, J- JP. You know that that G1 word you know that they came in. It if if it always felt fresh, you know, whenever they did something like that. And that was like one of our problems with the G1 this year and last year and the year before and the year before that. It's like, oh, where's the outsiders? Where's like, oh, let's do something a bit, you know, off the beaten track and let's bring in like a Nakajima or something, you know. And, and it, it's always historically been been interesting when it happens. And it always, like the big thing I'm excited about, like I said at the top, was this is hopefully going to be in front of fans who can get loud. And like you said, fans who will be partisan and fans who will very much be into this stuff like those tickets Mate, I want fights story. sporadically breaking out I want this to be oh, like a rowdy yes. fucking boxing crowd <laughs> sorry well, I'm actively promoting crowd violence there but you get what I mean <laughs> I do think I wanna, I'm, I'm putting a request in for a special podcast I want Gareth and uh, Linne and, uh, and Alan Farrell I want you to sit down give us your best dream cards I reckon that'll be fun that'll be a fun round table <laughs> I'm fucking well up for that. That's uh, that sounds like a plan. That you do state and hour as well, or whatever you know. Can I also it's recommend good, everyone from a few weeks ago? And I know Alan had sent us the article that he wrote for PW Torch because that kind of went into some of this stuff about like Noah's position and where it is. And I always recommend Hisame on Twitter if you want to kind of read a bit more about Noah as well, because she's got a great guide to sort of um, Noah versus New Japan, kind of obviously from a Noah perspective. But it's interesting stuff. You know, and that's what we want, Sorry. don't we? We want fucking mental wrestling, mate. Yeah. I didn't well, mean to well, leave it out, by the way. JP can be on that podcast too. I'll <laughs> that's all right. I'll take it in the <laughs> spirit it was meant. <laughs> <laughs> but but even you just saying there, Benno, like probably my thought process hadn't even like gone too long term with it. But the idea that if this is something that then works and it sells and it makes them money and it's something that they can then stretch like through through the uh like I'm assuming the G1 next year is going to be back to like a normal time and it's going to be a bit uh, you know it's going to be earlier and then even there just the th- the thought of where we've talked about the G1 even needing freshened up and the, the thought of the G1 having like 
Nakajima in it and Kimir in it and Keno and things like that. Like it just again, it's just adding that layer potentially to it that's just that, that really freshens it up and just really gets you like interested in it and things as things as well. So like yeah, God, hope it um hope this hope this works and there may, there maybe is that like crossover that does have a bit of something behind it that just just extends really and just gives capitalizes on um capitalizes on it and gives both companies a, a real good shot in the arm yeah it's a it's been a while since we had like new japan near the start of like a yeah i don't know we're away in but you know it was like a, a yeah we're not talking tag league or bloody best of the super juniors i did mean to watch Hiromi versus. did you watch Dexter. any of it no i didn't <laughs> Fair enough. Did you bother the guy? No, I, I just I ran out of time. I will say that it's it is the Hiromu um, Desperado match is currently tracking as the best match of the month on Grapple based on the you know I think it was based on twenty people who'd rated it up to this point or something like that. But you know you know even still the fact that it's there tracking above everything else probably worth a, a watch. So I will uh, I will try and try and give it a look this week. Like, but what you did watch was. <laughs> Where are we going sorry. with this? No, wasn't the new the new both would say you watched the the oh, Kano match? Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, I, I, I was just staging Yokohama. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes oh, hosting's oh, easy, sometimes it's hard. I, I wasn't sorry. sure if you were fe- I wasn't sure if you were feeding into AW because normally we've been talking oh, about yeah. AWs so much by oh. this point that I was thinking like, oh, can... for everyone. I was scared he was going to talk <laughs> about he was going to what New Japan have you watched? And I was just going to <laughs> I know the answer to that is fucking none. Because I was fucking on. Um. No. no, the so the yeah the Noah match. Um, I really enjoyed this. Everyone will be shocked to know it was a uh, Keno versus uh, Masaki Mochizuki. I know Gareth will probably be. You will have the play by play down there, but I mean, I mean, the short version is I went four stars on this. I thought this was like the prototypical four star match. My God, they leathered the shit out of each other. And he did follow the pattern of Keno against 50-year-old shit kickers. So, but I'm kind of fine with that. And Keno as a wrestler and as a character has grown on me. And I'm expecting big things from the, because um, he won this and then immediately challenged Nakajima to the match that's next week, uh, this weekend on the 28th. And obviously their final at the end one victory. I fucking loved that that would probably end up quite close into my top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if this got in there as well, but then it is the kind of force of charisma that is um, Nakajima really, isn't he? He's he's like Naito, but one that can still kind of go at a high level basically, but obviously with a different style, but in terms of that, that charisma. So, but I, you know, I thought this match was, was really good. Like winning with a knockout as well. And him being like, you know, not pinning him just felt like kind of so different. And he follows the pattern and Gareth knows as well, where there'll be no matches finish in unusual ways that you don't quite expect. And it really adds something a lot of the time. So like a lot of the times it'll be a relatively simple move that finishes them, but it's the sheer repetition of that move, just grinding people down. Um, But yeah. Uh, I, you know, after this, when I saw them two confronting, I went, that's going to be fucking nasty, that main event. And that's certainly a bit of Gareth, that one. Yeah, God. I mean, those two just squaring up at the end of this match. Again, that was just something 
something else, just getting you excited there, obviously, you know, building on the back of that, uh, the, the N1 match where, you know, that's currently tracking as the, the Noah match of the year on the app as well. It's like, you know, bang on four and a half stars, you know, on, a, on the average for that one. So again, just expecting even more from, from, uh, from their match this week, this weekend when, when those two go at it. But again, I, w- I won't go full, uh, full, play by play on this but I just think a load of credit just needs to go to um, Mochizuki at the front end um, there with uh, just the way that he was absolutely just dominating Keno, dominating Keno at the start he'd like really just bullying him controlling him just like some of the forearms and stomps that were just so vicious and just like I loved every se- every second of that like when you had him in the corner and then he just you know he he landed one sort of elbow forearm strike just slap back in the middle of the ring that just looked like he was going to absolutely kill him, but as JP's mentioned there, just the the clo- the finish, just just having that finish that that Keno just lands that roundhouse kick to the back of his head, and it is just like, yeah, he's got he's out, <laughs> he's, he's beat, <laughs> count of ten kind of thing, matches over, just unique and just credible and real. Of course, he's just absolutely fucking lamped him in the back of the head with his like this this massive kick. Yeah, he isn't getting up from that, and and he shouldn't get up from that, and he doesn't get up from that, and he loses his title because of it. Lovely stuff. Just again, just just taking something different, and it just appearing just to be a bit more of that sport, and it's just not like a million and one kickouts after a big move and things, and they even just like scaling the back the number of big moves as well. Like again, this was a match that went seventeen minutes, but it it just. Just per just per perfect amount of time, knocked the L out of each other. Great finish and a great post match angle. Like like what what, what yeah. more do you want from you, you know your wrestling? It's just it, it's just perfect that kind of kind of stuff to me. Um, did you did you watch the main event, JP? I I, I never ended up watching watching it. I wasn't yeah, going to did. did you no, well, just. No. Half an hour, half an hour. What's the main event? Yeah, I assume it's Muto. Oh, M- Muto and Marafuji winning the tag titles. Of Kiyomiya <laughs> and Masakitamiya. Not Marafuji pinning one of them, Muto. Pinning Masakitamiya. <laughs> Gotta get him strong for the big versus card, mate. It's important. <sighs> When's his contract up? That, that's, that's the like, but I, I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him an extension. They, the mm. bloke loves him. And they'll end up putting, saying, look, you know, we may not like him or whatever, or I may not like him, but like, look what they're doing in terms of business and look where they are now. But I find it very, it just completely lacks credibility for me. Like the other three, fine. And Marafuji's obviously slowed down a hell of a lot. But at least he can move. At least he can (laughs) move. But it's it's just depressing because it feels inevitable. It's like you can't have a group of young lads just getting a belt and going with it for ages. They just know I can't do that, can they? So, like, I, 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 I don't know. I like it was on, I watched it. I'm, you know, it, I knew what I was getting myself into. I'm a glutton for punishment, but there's a curiosity value in going, are they really doing this? Oh, yeah, they are. Um, and that's the weird thing about Noah as well, is that it's, it's kind of the really frustrating thing is, is if they did things in, in a way which felt like you really felt like people are being elevated by this, then you'd go along with it. But a lot of the times you don't feel like they're being elevated. It's not like Kiyomiya is going into any potential big match. And he's being set up for a big match at this New Japan Noah thing. He feels like he's very much like the kind of public face and challenging Tanahashi and stuff like that. Like, but 
there's always part of me thinks he's losing, that he's not going to get the big win. And like, you know, it's just kind of depressing if they put him in this dominant tag team and then split him and Kit Amir and they feud and the rest of it and one of them goes for the title. It's like, that's kind of booking 101. And you'd love to see a bit of that. But instead, every once in a while, it's like, no, we've got to have a boy over 50 and he's got to be winning. And he's and he's not even gonna you're not even gonna really look strong in the finish. Yeah. Well, speak, speaking of that as well, the the other match that I did watch on this card was the um, Yoshke and Amura match uh, because he's someone that I you know mm. particularly like and you know he's just just a good fucking big lad who just looks like he's again bags of potential Proper looks like thoughts. he's gonna knock out knock out out of people and again he was he was coming back off his injury but he was in there with Fujita so he's in there with you know. 51-year-old Fujita who can fucking barely move as as well and, you know, bring him back from injury, um, <laughs> give give him a good run and build him up. No, no. Power bombs and uh, on his ass in under 10 minutes, one, two, three, and you're just like, for fuck's sake, kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just kind of have to hope, uh, hope, their, hope their time will come. Come and this is all their. Uh, this is they're paying the dues, isn't it? Kind of thing. Uh, hope, you know. Hopefully, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm certainly looking at it from from this standpoint as well. But I've got no uh, doubt in my mind that once uh, once Muto drops these uh, the tag belts, he'll be he'll be taking that national title off whoever <laughs> whoever's got it as well. So he's done the uh, he'll have done all three belts in a short period of time, probably uh, along the way. I think uh, I think I'm kind of almost like trying to treat my Noah watching. I'm like trying to like separate things in my mind, and you've kind of got the the uh, Muto verse, and then you've just got the, <laughs> the the Noah verse, where I'm just trying to focus my attention on the uh, the younger lads, and when stuff like that happens with with him with the tag belt, it's a bit like, well, well, we'll just ignore that. That's this little thing that's going on over there in the side, and let's mm. focus on the uh, let's focus on the good stuff, and let's uh, let's enjoy these lads. Mm. So very quickly, Bolloway just mentioned Japan very quickly, Kitamura. Uh, made a comeback, got his ass kicked at Rising by a 55 year old man. <laughs> yep, that well, at least he tried. <laughs> yeah, should have stuck to that wrestling. <laughs> no, but if you follow his Instagram, boobs and bloody bodybuilding that's all that man had an interest in. So, surprised <laughs> his MMA went to shit. Uh, lacks necessary training, sad. Um. Well, we should move on anyway. Let's move on to uh, to some uh, some AEW, and uh, yeah, we got a good uh, hour or so to uh, to get into it. Just a small matter of uh, the fallout of uh, of full gear to uh, to talk about. But everyone got three hours of uh, of our AEW talk last week, so we uh, mixed it up a little bit this week. But plenty to uh, plenty to talk about from Dynamite, and maybe mm. less so Rampage. But you know, maybe things to to bemoan a little bit on Rampage as well as a, a decent little main event. But I mean, if we start with uh, with Dynamite, I mean, I would say like I I didn't wouldn't go as far as you know a lot of people were calling this one of the best Dynamites of all time. I think when you've got a twenty minute Jay Lethal main event, no matter how well it got over with the crowd, um, and maybe might have been technically fundamentally pretty good, you know, you're going to lose me on that, on that argument. But we can get to that. But I would agree, the first half hour or so was as good as uh, as you'll get from Dynamite, and maybe stretch that to the to the first hour once you include um, the punk stuff on here. I thought it was yeah a really good um you know kind of bit of a reset show uh, from the pay per view. Couple of mm. um, you know threads continuing couple of threads you know being picked up and, and starting anew um yeah i thought it was a, a good example of uh of one of those shows i mean we started out with uh with the big hangman page um celebration 
inter- interrupted by uh, by one Brian Danielson. Um, yeah, quite interesting lads. I thought they were, you know, I, I don't think I go as far as some people saying this is a, an out and out Danielson heel turn. It feels to me like a maybe a temporary measure. Maybe them recognizing that you know Danielson being out there being babyface Danielson is not going to be good for newly babyface champion Hangman Page. And I think they've been quite clever about you know it looks like laying out the story. You know he's got Cabana next week in Chicago, which I can't fucking wait for. You know but he's he's got. I think somebody mapped out a couple of the hometowns coming up of, of Dark Order guys are, are on the docket for AW over the next few weeks. So I don't think they're gonna have a big challenge getting him booed into into whenever you know the big title matches, whether it's the the TBS debut or whether it's their uh, their battle of the belts. Um, especially they've got the the first week of January. But I think that's what this is for. But you know, Danielson, as you guys will have seen, and uh, it is Ring of Honor Pomp was kind of known for this for, for leaning into the, the heel style a little bit, you know, hammering up a bit as he as he did there with Hamman Page, you know, maybe going a bit far with the you know shitting on the the local town type stuff, and you know, felt a little bit holiday camp uh, in moments, but you know, I, for me, it feels like a temporary thing, but well, entertaining, different, and yeah, feels like maybe brian slotting into the role that maybe moxley would have had and yeah i mm. think this is a a good little um first view for, for hangman page i love this like what a great start to the what a great start to the show what a great start to um the hangman title reign that is like put into a situation like this that he's going to be working with brian danielson who knows it was obviously from an in-ring point of view it's going to be great but it also just you know, he's just such a pro that in what a matter of minutes in this promo, he was just able to just turn that crowd and just, you, you know, without it being a proper turn, he, he could, you know, he could just position this um, confrontation, this angle exactly where it needed to to be. And, and again, even just through saying, you know, like you say, take the take the sort of the hokey hometown stuff away, but like the surprise and disappointment that he'll be facing Hangman, not Kenny, kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. fair. That's like you know, he's obviously had a score to settle with Kenny. Wanted to face him. Surprised that Kenny's lost. You know, lost matches is kind of almost not saying something that's you know untrue or overtly heelish from where he stands as a as a character you know when even when he's coming in you know when i won the title at wrestlemania i you know i worked the next day kind of thing true kind of thing as well you know it's very much that kind of you know seeds of seeds of elements you, you know grounded in the in the truth and just spinning them and putting them in a position in a certain way in front of a certain crowd at a certain time and you can you know work working to your to, to your advantage there and obviously then just building up that level of hostility that it, you know literally got from like a to z in a short period of time from to to where you had the you know the you know, running at Brian at the end, um, Hangman, and just that that intense, you know, close to brawl kind of thing at the end. It was just just as far as just a, a short bit of TV business where you, you you think how many, again, not to pull things back to WWE, but how many years we've had to sit and watch that opening half hour monologue from somebody as they set something up that's going to be happening on the show that night or something like that. This was almost like the the antithesis of that you know it was it was something that had clear purpose that was delivered very well and you know progressed something in a very short period of time and something that something that people are very excited about watching in the future and you know giving hangman something that he can sink his teeth into moving on from the kenny mm-hmm. spot what a bit of business this was great stuff yeah, yeah. and a great match yeah. to follow too 
Yeah, I, I absolutely fucking brutal stuff. I have to say, I love the flex he did when he refused to let go of the um the the, that the was, that was our Daniel defense. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I thought of you because I can remember seeing like that kind of kind of afters. I thought Benno would have absolutely loved this. Um, I think like I thought I thought it's interesting this because it straddles a really fine line because I think the job that Danielson what the, the storyline explanation I think they're going to use at the end of this is that he wanted the best possible hangman so he wanted him really motivated to get the best possible match out of him because I'd expect mm-hmm. hangman to lose but I was just so refreshed by seeing a baby face champion after a long chase who gets put into a substantial title match it was a title feud like on the next night which feels like good mm-hmm. and it's there to build him it's not like what when WWE have done this, where when it was Daniel Bryan, it was Kane. And immediately, like, the kind of air sinks out of the room when it was Rey Mysterio, when it was so many other people, where it was such a disappointing first defence, and it just sets the tone for the title reign. I think this gives it the best possible chance for it. And, yeah, what, what how long was the match against Eva Luno? It was, like, sort of, like, six minutes or seven minutes or something like but my God, that it it fills an absolute purpose for what it did, and and it delivers on a, on a storyline front. And this is talk about a simple story to do over the next few weeks, which kind of helps build, gets a load of guys on TV who are all over, by the way, like you know Colt Cabana in Chicago. Whenever they, you know, it's a pity they're not going to Canada because you know to do something against Stu Grayson, but. I'm looking forward to all those matches. I'm looking forward to when mm. it's Brian Danielson versus John Silver. And it gives Danielson something interesting to do. And it felt like sort of like with Punk and Kingston, where it's just throwing in an, like, I don't think ultimately it's going to lead to a heel turn, like a kind of full on one. I think he's a heel just by, like, say, by virtue of the Moxley thing and just being a bit creative and adaptive around it. And he can get away like, with that. He can get away with it. I don't want to be hypocritical because, like, you know, I've been very, if Cody's thing is a heel, it is shades of grey. You know, I don't think it's a great idea. Hopefully it is a heel turn, but if it's shades of grey, I'm a bit like, oh, I don't like that. But shades of grey work with Punk and Kingston. And, you know, based on this show, it's not done any damage to Punk whatsoever. And I do think with Danielson, you know, it's because the difference with the Cody stuff, I think, you know, again, if that's not, if that's on purpose, mm. is it does affect the, you know, the, the other heels who, who have to feud with them. You know, they end up getting, you know, Andrade, he's not a wrestler who should be getting cheered, but he's going to get cheered because he's in there with Cody. And that's when you have your John Cena problem. With this, it's like, well, Danielson's the heel to get the baby face over. And I think as well, you can give that leeway with Danielson because he has, you know, he has moments in AW where he's been a bit more hard-nosed than he would be in WWE, and he is a bit heelish in his matches. He is mm. a bit more brutal, but he's also so likable that he can get away with it. And if he turns around in a month and, like you say, you know, explains his motivations a little bit or just leans back more into the babyface side, I think he's so beloved that you can get away with him. And I do think, yeah, you know, the context matters there of who it is, why they're doing it, and where I think we're headed. Uh, I don't think, you know, I saw comparisons to, you know, him being turned heel, you know, when he came back to WWE and we all expect him to be the biggest babyface in the world. All of a sudden, he had a vegan title belt and, you know, they eliminated any goodwill that, that people had, you know, for those f- first few months. I don't think it's that. I just think it's, you know, it was a whole, it was, they were dealt this hand with the Moxley thing. And, you know, this is the creative way that they're going about mm. it. They've almost recognized the problem ahead of time. Babyface champions are hard to book, especially young babyfaces like a Hangman Page. You, you know, is to, to, to put him in that position as the top guy, there's always that danger. You, know, you put him in there with a slightly more popular babyface. 
you know, he, he might um, struggle to to win over certain quarters of a uh, of your fan base. I just think it's smart in all ways, really. Mm-hmm. I think that is that is what makes this just that little bit different. He's an ass kicker, isn't he? Who knows he's good, and that's his, mm-hmm. you know, and it is his, his person, <laughs> personality. And you know, I, I, I know, I, I know, I'll come out here and kick people's ass. And sometimes I'm going to say some things that's going to rub people up the the wrong way. And like, mm-hmm. and if that's a if that's a, another nice guy, then like. Sort of, so be it, kind of thing. Like, like that's where it, you know, that's where it sort of but felt definitely. like it, it. It stood and it sort of positioned to me. It's a, it's a far, far, far cry from like nice guy has to be, you know, smiley, smiley, shaking everybody's hands, kind of thing. You know that 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 side of things. It just bleeds into the the, the character more, and it just makes his the brutality in his matches probably just stand up a little bit more even still and probably allows him to just get a bit more brutal in some of the things that he does going forward as well. It just feels like a, a nice position for him to, to to sit in really, that he's a guy who's going to take no shit in pursuit of his personal goals, which, again, that's what wrestlers should be like as far as I'm concerned. As long as that's like, if you keep that as the fundamental core uh, core of the character, then whether or not they go heel or like if they when they turn heel or babyface, as long as that's the central core of it, you're always going to believe in them. They've, they've, mm-hmm. Eddie Kingston is the absolute case in point. His character is exactly the same, and he's had a successful heel run so far, and he's having a really successful babyface run. Same guy, same character. Yeah, yeah, and it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, talking the uh, the other. Um, big things on this show. We'll get get into the weeds of everything that happened, but I suppose the other big, you know, we're talking about, you know, we're leading into Danielson versus Cabana next week, which is, you know, something me and you very much uh, enjoy, Gareth. We've also got next week on on Dana, or this week on Dynamite in Chicago, Punk versus QT Marshall. But, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind that as a match, to be honest. Punk's going to fly through them, and, you know, I'll always love a, a Chicago car with them two wrestling on. Just give me give me crazy Ace Steel in the opener, and I'll be fucking made up uh, this Wednesday. I'm, I'm made up for that, but you'd imagine that Punk QT Marshall stuff is going to lead into shenanigans with what appears to be his, uh, his next feud in, in MJF, which was, uh, which was set up on this night oh. as well, and I thought this was a particular, you know, we talk about new feuds being kicked off. You know, I will, you know, pour a little liquor or just be sad in general that it feels like maybe the Eddie feud is, let's say it's on pause. I really hope we're, we're getting, we're going to circle back around to it like we talked about in our pay-per-view review, you know, in a couple of months when we've all forgotten about it, Eddie blindsides Punk or something. Because, you know, there was a there was a dog collar match and a cage match and all kinds in that feud that I, I wanted to see. I wanted to see more promos, but I'm not going to complain too loudly that, you know, we've transitioned into Punk versus MJF, which is the feud we've all talked about, you know, kind of seeing as the ideal feud for Punk. He's got his teeth into uh, something with Eddie Kingston. He's, you know, we're seeing, we've seen that no more Mr. Nice Guy kind of side of him come out of, of Punk through that Eddie feud and what better way to to get going it, you know, even further with that than the, the MJF feud. And segment was fantastic. Just, you know, MJF running down the crowd, you'd expect in this promo battle. And Punk just stands there and stares at him. And yeah, this is a feud I'm very excited to see, you know, where we go. I'm excited to go along with the ride. I'm excited to see if we do get shenanigans in the QT Marshall uh, match next month. And yeah, I'm just excited for the, the promo battles to come. Give me give me months of this and I'll be very happy with uh, with Punk. And yeah, I think this is uh, this is the the Punk where we want to see, Gareth. 
Yeah, I, I actually, I'm, as sad as it is to say, I actually clapped out loud in my living room at the uh, point, <laughs> point where, like, where like punk, where punk came you down. <laughs> Very used to it, yeah, in front of the scene. <laughs> um, that was for Sarah, anyway. <laughs> as, um, as, as punk came down, you're immediately, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? You're thinking in your head. And then the fact that, you know, he says nothing and turns, I was just like, oh, brilliant. Mm. Just per perfection whoever thought of that genius you know and then the way so mjf said the way mjf sold as well just like you know just sort of you know looking back a bit confused and dumbfounded kind of thing that somebody wasn't going to enter into some like verbal battle with him at that point as well you know again he just he just played it perfect as well and it was just again just just goes to show doesn't you know it's, it's, you don't need to say anything sometimes and you know, something can, can can work massively because, again, that was just short segment and, you know, in a nutshell, you go, all right, okay, this is where this is going and, yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm really ready for this. Yeah, yeah if, if, if they're stretching this out for a long time, and I really hope they do, like, the, there's a lot of juice you can do with this. You start small and you just start slightly unexpected. Rather than going into a big promo battle, you have this, first of all, and you just wet the appetite. And then next week, yeah, you have the shenanigans and then you can kind of have your start to get into your promo battle stuff. And by God, the kind of fuel for the fire that MJF can use is great. And it's how Punk is going to respond to that stuff, isn't it? That's the kind of real fascination for me. How is he going to respond? Like, because obviously he's going to kind of know what's coming, but perhaps not exactly know what's coming there as well. I hope not, because you want that bit of... Like you want to see him say things to kind of really rile him up because there's there's yes. genuine things to say, and mm. it's like the fascination is in there. But you need the MJF character to be pissed off enough to deliver this stuff in the brutal way you want him to do that. You're not going to get that on day one. So this was perfect. He's like MJF has given the us powder dry. MJF has given us that. Ask Cole Cabana line that I was hoping Eddie Kingston had, uh, had give us. Like, I, I got, he's not going to be able to go one promo without referencing that. It's coming. Unless they follow my great fantasy book and I put on Twitter this week that, you know, Punk and Cabana, same show wrestling. What if, you know, you could see the pinnacle attacking Cabana, forcing Punk to make the save, for reunion in the ring, A Steel jumps the guardrail, Benno's in floods of tears at home. I'll be fucking clapping the telly. Probably unlikely, but, you know, I'd love that to, uh, to bleed into it. Um, it's fucking nuts, though, isn't it? I don't know, mate. You're having a lot of your like Ring of Honor 2005 fantasies come to life well, in 2021, so don't start ruling this stuff out. The Intona, uh, yeah, we've got that in common. Yeah. <laughs> so cool, that's happening, though. I mean, with with this, though, as well, again, where you just, when you reference there, the depths that MGF will go to, and if that does become the thing that it is just like, Punk won't respond, Punk won't respond, and he just gets lower and lower and lower of the things that he can say about Punk and really just airs so much dirty laundry to the extent that he really riles Punk up in, in, you know, to get that retaliation out of him, then that would be just be great TV just for just for weeks as, uh, as as MGF just dips into that bag of things that everybody knows you know you can you can go at CM Punk for and um, nobody's going to deliver them in a more cutting way than than MGF either so again there's just so much mileage in this like I was just thinking about like you know even things like 
the Wardlow side of things when Punk's coming back at him. You can see Punk being someone who just ignites some elements of the, you know, the where MGF's put Wardlow in his place and you know and things like that. Again, I think I think Punk will be a good person to just stoke a bit of fires that way and just lead a few more, uh, leave a few more seeds for the Wardlow eventual turn and things like that as as well. I just think there's so many opportunities that uh, that that this can just go into some some great places. And I think when we talked about potential feuds for Punk, it was one of the ones that we were immediately like, yeah. Punk MGF is going to be great when that happens. And again, I repeatedly say this, Benno, you've been asking for him, you know, something to get his teeth into. Is that his Kingston thing? Now, there's no bigger thing that he can get his teeth into than, than this. And like JP says, this can run and run. This is this isn't this isn't Jericho MGF. This is something that feels like it can run for that amount. Of, you know, it can run for a long period of time and not get stale and not get boring and maybe you know you know probably escalate to you know even more genuine brutality as well as well in the in the way that some of the matches might be worked. Can't wait. Um, did you give any? Do you think that we're getting back to Kingston Punk at any point? Why is it that only Jericho gets long term feuds in this company? Like, what's you know, Kerry you know, uh, and uh, Hangman aside, like, do we get a lot of one and dones, don't we? I think we will. I what I hope for is we get to the point where everyone is so interconnected that there's always stuff that's going to be kind of constantly referenced. And I want to see, for example, if they're both in the same shot for whatever reason, that Eddie Kingston's always side-eyeing him or stuff like that, you know, that that, that, that bit of needle between them is always there. So mm-hmm. I hope they go back to it. I don't want it to be like Cody Rhodes. Yeah, remember you, Pentagon Junior. <laughs> <laughs> Teaming with him now. Oh, apparently. We'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I uh, suppose uh, elsewhere on the show, probably should talk a little bit about the the main event before we get into the other stuff. Senegar and Jay Lethal had a, had a professional wrestling match. <laughs> I don't know. I find it hard to enjoy because I just find Jay Lethal, you know, bland as anything. And I'm shocked. As How, why is he this over? Like, what's he what's he done to be this over two nights in a in, in a row in a, in AW? Is it just because he's new? Is there this Ring of Honor fan base, modern Ring of Honor fan base out there? I'm, I'm not aware of. Um, I was just glad he didn't win, to be honest. It would have been typical of this, this Sammy Guevara TNT title reign so far after he, he won the belt from Miro and then disappeared into this inner circle feud that apparently is never going to end um, with uh, with American top team. But yeah, it wouldn't have shocked me for Jay Lethal to go over, so I suppose I should have been happy to see to see Sammy, Sammy win. But I don't know. When we talk about like this, the space AW have got to bring in new people. The idea that the space to give Jay Lethal twenty minute main events and and now will have to be factored into TV going forward, despite how the match got over. Despite I know people you know rated the match pretty well on Grapple, I couldn't motivate myself to have any real interest in it. Both from a I'm not interested in Jay Lethal point of view to the very real life stuff that surrounds Jay Lethal and his signing, um, which does seem like a you know. Mm one that has, has that been looked into properly by AEW. Like Punk was Punk was on the um on the conference not the conference call, the uh, the media QA after the pay-per-view and I haven't seen it picked up by many people. And they asked him, Oh, did you know Jay Lethal was coming in? And he said no. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna air it out to you, but the you know there's a reason AJ Lee doesn't mention Jay Lethal at any point in her autobiography, despite the fact that he trained her and was her boyfriend for the majority of the early part of her career. Bet you he wasn't happy. Um, but you mm. know, obviously there's the, there's all the other stuff as well. 
I just can't get behind Jay Lethal, and yeah, main event Jay Lethal is wasn't for me on this uh, on this night. Well, fortunately, they positioned him as um, as Jay Lethal, the bum, really, wasn't it? He? he was up against yeah. Sammy Guevara <laughs> with with really bad, you know, really bad ribs going into the match. Someone who like went through a fucking table and stuff like that. And he still couldn't beat him, so I just thought it was just like it was. It was, he was positioned as, uh, as 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 a bit like as a bit lackluster anyway. As mm-hmm. as the match went uh, went on, so he was uh, you know they even leaned on like the pomp and circumstance on his music as well, didn't they? As well, like to you know get that pop and things like that. It didn't strike. I don't know the way the way he was presented from for, from that point in the match. It didn't strike me as like. Jay Lethal's going to be a major player in AEW or or, or anything, anything like that, and yeah, I mean, obviously with all the you know the out of the ring side of things as well. If it's you know it's going to prove to be not popular with people in the back, and if they haven't done their due diligence and things like that, it's a bit of an own goal really by AEW because there has been you know so much negative discourse on on online about it as as, as well. Like, okay, have you have you read anything about like? Has he has he signed a contract? Has he signed like a long term contract? contract mate. It's it's not a it's not a Jay, Le- Jay Lethal is coming in. No, it's Jay Lethal is all elite and has signed a contract. Like that's if this was one and done, you'd be like, ah, oh, fair enough. Interesting challenge of the week, despite the you know the real life issues. No, he's he signed a deal. He's the the face of the death of Ring of Honor for me. <laughs> this, this was a guy who was very much second fiddle in the foundation in the last mm. days of Ring of Honor. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I just couldn't see the worth in it. I did, I probably, I found myself watching this, watching Sammy Guevara more than anything else. And just thinking how generally, like, the improvement is there. And this is actually the right level because of the four pillows, you know. He's very much, <laughs> like, he, he's he's very much, he's not the comfiest, I suppose, out of all of them. And he needs that TNT title run, I suppose, more than most. And what you would have hoped for, was this was a one and done and you know he looks great but it looks like they've signed Jay Lethal and I just don't know to what end. I don't know what he offers like mm. uh, a major national promotion. The thing about always like with the kind of heat in him is it's like, well, why did WWE never take a chance? Mm. That's always the thing that comes to mind when they were in all of the signing sprees over the years. There would have been times when he would have been more or less available to go if they showed any kind of interest. He perhaps would have you know, not re-signed with Ring of Honor, but that never happened. And it just, it, they're the things like you mentioned there about like, obviously with AJ Lee as well. But yeah, this is like, I, I, I look at this signing and it's just like, it, it, you know, God, we, we were saying earlier on about wanting to get Shane Strickland and Keith Lee in there, but there's too many people there in a minute. It's like, fuck me. Him, mm. Matt Hardy, Billy Gunn. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that, don't worry. <laughs> well, one uh, one debut I did get enjoyment out of, despite my trepidations about the match. Uh, they did debut Tommy Arisha on this show. Now, I want to lay out first, mm-hmm. it is not in a million years my my premium option, if it if I'm booking this, to team in with Orange Cassidy and do this weird thing with Chaos and Best Friends. I, I saw a bit of defense of it online, and you know, people kind of saying, oh, well, you know, he... He teams with Yano all the time. It's like, yeah, that's shit too. Like, I don't know if that's a defense. <laughs> yeah. Do you enjoy those matches? Because I don't think anyone does. Um, but okay, you know, he's used to working with a comedy guy. And, you know, for some reason, Tony had a real hard on for putting him in there with the uh, with the butcher. 
Uh, and their interactions in the match were enjoyable. And you've got to say, you know, he's Ishii. So, of course, he got over. Because, of course, he did. He's Tomohiro Ishii. So, yeah, with the, with that caveat of, yeah, you know, not the, not the way I would have uh, envisioned Ishii coming into the company. I hope it's not. This is not a one and done. I hope, you know, this was the introduction. And then we get, like, a couple of interesting single matches, whether it be, you know, Danielson at some point, although he's trapped up with Dark Order or, you know, the other various dream matches you could do with this roster. Hopefully that's coming, but... You can't say it didn't get over on the night and, you know, it, it at least, you know, worked despite uh, my trepidations. Do you, do you, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I was just underwhelmed by the whole thing, to be to be honest. Oh, I well. didn't think he, I, I didn't think he got much of a pop when he came out. I thought it was a bad choice not to let him walk out to his own music. And, yeah, um, you know, I thought, I, I thought, <laughs> Tom I thought he walked out to the Pixies. That was bizarre. He walked out and I just thought he got very little pop. Whereas I thought there could have been more by, by, by having his own, you know, I didn't that, like, absolutely. The match itself was just like, meh for me. Like it just, I don't know. I just felt like it was, it just felt very throwaway. And I just thought, this so much more could have been done with this and it could have just been presented, you know, in a much better way and, you know, much better scenario and situation. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was at the end, I just felt like, oh, that was a bit, 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 bit of a waste of time kind of, kind of thing for me. I didn't, I didn't come away with having too much positivity at all. The only thing I liked was that it almost just felt like a, Good old WCW days where you just randomly just get some New Japan person <laughs> just appear like on, you know, a couple of WCW shows and then disappear forever and never be mentioned again kind of thing. It was just a, if you've got things bleeding into your uh, ROH fandom, this was uh, another tick in the old uh, WCW fandom box for me. Just a <laughs> random, uh, random New Japan guy on card. He has curio value, I think, as much as anything. This match. I mean, it's very mad that Andy Williams who. I don't know. At some point, do you think they're going to mention on a regular basis? By the way, this guy is a bassist for like a, a good band. Like, and this is something that maybe we could promote him just doing like wrestling on the fucking side and looking like a, a far more out. successful well, band than Fozzie, by the way. Just to throw yeah, out. yeah, <laughs> and better. Never mentioned. Barely, rarely ever. Like you know, he, he what was it? He had to like go off tour specifically to have this match because he wanted to have. Yeah. It. Okay. It could be like Van Hammer. <laughs> the next Van Hammer. I don't know if you want to be that. <laughs> if he came yeah. out and squashed Van Hammer in like kind of not like that terrible squash match, the worst squash match we ever saw. Um, like, yeah, but I mean, overall, it felt, ultimately felt to me like a kind of TV match. And it's what it was. And, and in some ways, I'm kind of conditioned to this with how a lot of New Japan guys are used when they're over in the US now, because it happens with such regularity all over the shop that in many ways, I'm just like, ah, okay, that happened. Seems a bit weird. Why is Minoru Suzuki teaming with Big Cass and Moose? <laughs> Shit happens. It's impact. All right. Like I say, I, I, I hated the idea. I think I was, you know, I was warned by the fact that he, because he he got himself over despite it all, but you know my limited praise only comes with the proviso of this isn't it. You know you had Ishii for one night and this was it. Let's you know hope it was okay. We'll introduce him to the people who don't know him and give a bit of context, and then we'll go to the dream matches. But yeah, you know let's hope that's coming, um, and let's hope it doesn't involve the Hardy family office. Because fuck me, how was that? 
<laughs> I was that still going that feud. Speaking of feuds that are that aren't one and done. Um, but yeah, any other notes on it on Dynamite? Anything else um, stick out for for you guys? Uh, I enjoyed Sheeda versus Nyla Rose. I thought as it as it kind of built up. This is a match that I've enjoyed in the past, and. It, I kind of watched it and, and I kind of watching Nyla Rose being like a kind of almost like a bit more deliberate during this one, which then made me think about how sh- good she's become generally. And I'm not saying she's outstanding every week and there's still like bad matches and the rest of it, but her and Sheeda have wrestled enough times. And I thought it was interesting. The good little storyline thing, there's a good chance of her getting to the 50 win mark before Sheeda does as well, especially as she's kind of progressed in the tournament. I thought it was just good booking to give Nyla Rose a win and, kind of keep us strong i don't i mean the match with her and brit baker just didn't work because well partly they book continue to book brit baker as a heel which i'm still kind of slightly baffled by but there you go um i i thought this was like a kind of a a good fun match and on that one i've serena deep appreciation corner over here uh, (laughs) i've chopped block out yeah yeah, Yeah. that's chopped block out of nowhere Oh, lovely stuff. <laughs> that was absolutely great. And then just the way that it worked into the finish with that standing stretch muffler, like to, you know, for the for the finish, like on the injured knee. Great stuff. Yeah. Can't beat a bit of deep, can you? <laughs> she, she, honestly, yeah, Scott, Jamie Hayter should just turn, they should have a turn on um, Britt Baker, join Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb is like the big proper heel in that division because she's completely set up for it. Her and Britt Baker. And guess what? She'll have a cracking match at the same time. Yeah. Well, I'll give, I'll give a little bit of quick love to um, the other match on this show, Dante Martin and Leo Rush against the acclaimed. Mm. Just nothing major to say. Just, I really enjoy both these acts right now. Like I really like, like the acclaimed have kind of won me over recently. Mm -hmm. I'm big, uh, kind of look forward to their segments on shows now. They're like, you don't have to win, you know, they can they can lose every time they're out there, but as far as like a novelty act, you know, coming out and uh, and doing the rap and stuff, it's uh, it doesn't work every week, but mostly I think they're a, they're a nice little addition. So they feel like they're, they're cycled in right now. They're getting a lot of TV time, whereas like, you know, uh, a few weeks ago it was Daniel Garcia and the uh, and the 2.0 lads. Now it's kind of them um, as like the heels of the week. I thought that, yeah, they've been a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, Dante Martin and Leo Rush, like some of the combinations those two pop, like the point where they were crisscrossing in this one, where it was like, like that's like next level thinking in wrestling. Like I, I'll give Leo Rush a lot of shit for his terrible creative ideas. That awful match we saw him do with Joe Janela over oh, over no. WrestleMania weekend, that weird black rain gimmick or whatever the hell it was. It was called terrible <sighs> stuff. But you know when he's at his best in ring, you know he's a very exciting wrestler and. It's cool to see them getting behind Dante Martin too, and giving him plenty of a uh, TV time too. They've been like the the lower, along with the acclaim, kind of the lower card wrestlers of the the last month or so, and it's been uh, very fun to watch. Dante Martin there is just the prime example of the way that you know put a bit of focus on someone, get you know give him some wins, mm-hmm. give him some time to do some exciting stuff, and lo and behold, within what a six week time period, he's gone from guy who's lost his tag team partner to somebody who feels like one of the hottest acts in the promotion right now and like somebody who feels like quite important and feels that is is a guy who's you know a big part of the future of the company can like you, you know he, he can play a big role in it and again just so simple just put a bit of emphasis and a bit of focus on somebody with a very basic storyline around it and just uh, just let them go and i mean god he looks you know 
from an in-ring point of view, some of the stuff he does is it's very rare that you see somebody these days who can kind of like make you like gasp or kind of like come up with something that you've not seen before or something like that. And I feel like he does that pretty much every time he goes in the ring. He's like so innovative. Some of the some of the things that he's um, coming up with, you know, there was a there was a spot in there. You know, I'm sure somebody will tell me it's been done before or done regularly, but where it was like the where he ran across the back of uh, yeah. the two opponents to make the tag. I was just like, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool kind of thing. And just like sometimes for as much as like I like my, you know, I've got my certain style of wrestling that I do like from a realism point of view. And I will get a bit like, um, I don't know, turned off by, you know, some high flying stuff and things. If somebody's out there doing something, you know, that is unique and different and it makes sense as well that he would do that in that way, then, you know, great stuff. And like, again, he's, he's just someone for me who, is um, sky's the limit for him. It really, really feels that way. Literally, I'm not even sure if it is the limit for him at this point. <laughs> um, honestly, to God, it's the grace and control that he moves with. But um, mm. my, my thought was, I want to see more of this tag team. Like, mm. I think there's good stuff. I, I, I don't know when his brother's back because that'll be an interesting dynamic to it. It's unfortunate for him, isn't it? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Like he's really good as well. We've just like not seen him for months. Like mm. at this point with Dante Martin, but uh, he can do he can, he can he can do the Owen Hart. He can do the you know he can come back on the the other the other side of the coin. You know he can they can <laughs> yeah. feud. Imagine the matches they'll have together. Fuck. But it, it makes me want to see them because I also think as well if he does come back and he goes into top flight, all of a sudden top flight have meaning in the tag division because of Dante Martin. And so, like, there's the potential of, like, a kind of, you know, them in a tag match against the Lucha Brothers or something along those lines. But him and Leo Rush as a tag team is the kind of shit that fucking excites me as well. So, yeah, I want to see this. This is the kind of matches that they need to be... We forget this at times. You need these kind of matches which are, you know, kind of... You've got a couple of guys you're just showcasing how fucking ridiculously... How they move. I mean, how Leo Rush does all that misdirection stuff. It is. It does look great. Um, I want to see more of it. Yeah, they need his they need his brother to join Team Taz. That's what they need to do with the way the way Team Taz <laughs> have been going after him. His brother needs to go that way. That'd be ace. <laughs> That'd be a good little uh, flying. I've heard like a theorize maybe Leo Rush winds up with them. No, I like that better. I think that works. Mm. But, um, yeah, I mean, you. I one say- other thing you you mentioned um, two point north there. Obviously, they had the they oh, interrupted Eddie Kingston, didn't they? Yeah, in, in Eddie, that interview, yeah. interview with this, and, and that just feels like a you know a good route again for Eddie. You know, dealing with these, you know, having Humans. two guys there who can talk as well. You know, and mm. the, the, there'll be some decent um, stuff on the mic with them though. But then, like getting Garcia involved and getting him in and around someone like Kingston as well. Just feels like a nice, good natural, uh, nat- natural path for that. Uh, I love them calling him Sad Boy. <laughs> <laughs> sad Boy yeah, here to complain like, again. They're like henchmen in like an eighties movie, aren't they? Like yeah. they kind of got that like, comedy element to them, but like they're, so, they're, they're surprisingly good talkers, aren't they? Like I, I do like them. Their comic timing is so much better than I think you give them credit. Like than we like. Than and we they know ever their role. before. They absolutely yeah. know their role. They play it to a T, but they know their role so well that they've got hired off the back of this. Yeah. And whenever they're on TV, you know they're going to lose. You know they're going to look silly. But fuck me, every time they're out there, they're fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, but no. not you know, not everyone on the roster can win the matches. It's not a WWE. We don't want 50 50. No. You want people who are the lower on the totem pole, but you want people who can rebound from it and get themselves over again. And that's what they do so well. Big fan of that. Um, I was going to mention briefly before we go into Rampage, mentioned Owen Hart there. Like uh, after Rampage, Tony Khan announced that, like, yeah, December 15th, I think, at the Winter is Coming show, which I really hope isn't Bray Wyatt's debut, um, by the way, um, that they are going to oh, be shit. unveiling what this Owen tournament is. What do you think it is? Because I don't think you can do another men's tournament so soon. I don't think you can do another women's singles tournament. My little working theory on that is maybe tag tournaments. Maybe that's the reason, you know, Bobby Fisher's in, because they're hoping they'll get Kyle O'Reilly by the time they do this thing, presumably in January. Maybe they're thinking. Maybe it'll be just a wild tournament where they bring in the fucking Briscoe brothers and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn turn up and fucking they bring in teams from all over the world or something and try and like, you know, say to, you know, to Owen Hart obviously was great singles wrestler, but had, you know, the tag runs as well. Maybe they use that as the, the in for like, I am suspicious they're waiting so long to do it that maybe they are waiting till, you know, when Owens or, or Kyle O'Reilly mm. or whoever it is becomes available. Uh, maybe they're going to play a part in it. Um, I'd love that, like wacky tag. Bring in Jeff Jarrett as well. He was Owen Hart's tag team partner. He could slot in with somebody, you know. Uh, <laughs> could be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Any, th- any theories on what we're headed towards? Could be like a World Cup. He worked in Mexico. He worked in Japan. Worked in Britain. Worked in Canada, obviously, and things. Could be quite nice. Mm. Frankie's lost time to shine. It. Be like that TNA World Cup when they brought in Frankie Slaughter and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robbie oh, Brookside yeah. and Dean Ormark. <laughs> Robbie Dynamite. <laughs> Robbie Dynamite, that was the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're headed. Uh, just interesting, because they're building her up so much as well as bringing up, um, mm. you know, Winter is Coming again, which was the uh, the big Sting debut last year. Um, yeah, interesting. Guess we'll uh, see. Yeah, I, I can't, can't imagine the format of it the thing that mm. I so why would you do two tournaments dead. so recently you know yeah like it just doesn't really add up yeah exactly i mean a, a tag team tournament is a lot more exciting like mm. i have to say um if you it, it's a difficult one to nail because you want to think about like uh, him as a wrestler and it's like well you know someone equally successful we looked at his um on the patreon we looked at his um wwf uh run um it's kind of interesting with him because, like, he is successful with as a tag and a single. I'd like to see him. I'd like to be a tag tournament because at least that might be different. I saw someone suggest like a G one. I just thought they ain't got the wrestlers for that. Yeah. <laughs> no. What about like you what know, about you'd a, love it. What about a young wrestlers or something like that? Like an under an under twenty fives cup or something like that, maybe or oh, something. Yeah. Young lines something, cup, yeah. Something could be something like that. Might be interesting. Yeah, Shikara used to do that, and you know Tony had those tapes, so that would that would uh, that would mm. track as well. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Bray Wyatt winter is coming. Do you think it's coming? Do you think he's the winter this year? Is that what people are saying? Nah, I've just made it up. I hope to God. No, I don't think that. I, I honestly don't know. I don't think there is. I th- I'm, apparently, he's off to make a film, and I hope to Christ that's happening. Yeah, do that shit for a while. Then it probably means flop. nothing. It's a bit I like when they did um, WWE at the end of all of it. Yeah, they did Royal fight the first and they kept got, got going for years and years. So like reusing a name is kind of within AEW's wheelhouse, isn't it? It's just mm. it'll just probably just be a show. I don't know. I just got that for you. Glacier's um, coming back. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Speaking of Chikara, they used him. <laughs> right actor Ray Lloyd. <laughs> um, they had a great bit in Chikara for years where like. 
every time there was like a tournament where like they did a trios tournament where the wrestler wouldn't show up, they'd be like, "Oh, come we come coming out as mystery partner," and they'd just list off wrestlers who it was never going to be. And it'd be like Hulk Hogan, or it'd be like Glacier, and like Bryce would always go backstage and like he's not here every time. And then like four years after making the joke, they said Glacier one one time, and then Glacier's music hit and he came out. So it's <laughs> the best payoff to a really shit joke. <laughs> he's been in AW before though. Could happen. Yes. Could happen. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, moving on to uh, to Rampage and. Yeah, in comparison to Dynamite, I wasn't uh, I wasn't so much feeling than Rampage this week. I enjoyed the second half. I think the uh, the main event was uh, was a decent little uh, mm-hmm. tag match. Um, not near the uh, the five stars of the uh, the six man from the pay per view, but you know, pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> but I can't believe we haven't buried that yet. But um, first half of the show was was especially weak. I thought this week, um, mm. not into using Billy Gunn on TV. I'm not into Billy Gunn being the one who gets the kick out of um, the coffin drop. I know it. The one. <laughs> the one Billy Gunn. Oh, there you go. Fits, yeah. Um, oh, I mean, kicking out that one too, though, as well. That's, you know, it all it all ties together. Oh, no, wasn't a fan of that whatsoever. I don't even like putting him in there with Darby in the first place. Darby's already slight. And he already, I know he uses that to his favor, but Billy Gunn, like, so in this current generation, like he might as well be seven foot and three hundred pounds, the fucking size of the fucker. I just don't think it makes anyone look good being opposite him in the ring. I, I don't really understand why they, you know, put a, a fifteen minutes of a TV aside for Billy Gunn to to look strong in a match with Darby Allen and do a load of stuff with his shit sons afterwards. I mean, in versus LA Park, JP, I don't know who's got the, the shittest sons, but I think they'll, uh, they'll give LA Park lads a, a, a run for the money. I just thought, yeah, that made no sense to me. I thought Jay Cargill and Red Velvet was particularly poor. And yeah, I, I really didn't think much of this uh, Rampage episode outside of the main event. Yeah, I struggled with this. I really Plus did. Jericho's I... in commentary. That's the other reason we're all struggling too. Oh, there is that. Yeah, there is that kind of side of it. Like, and uh, you know, I, just watching this match kind of felt like, like if this had just been a kind of four minutes, Derby wins with like a load of like surprising with a load of kind of like kind of big moves, then I think it could have been quite fun. But he just, it was Billy Gunn in 2021 having a match mm. and looking strong over one of the guys who is, again, one of your four pillows. <laughs> And he's taken a slash all over that pillow, hasn't he, in the middle of the night, you dirty get. So that's what people like, do. They, well, Billy Gunn would, wouldn't he? No, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. He's a wrestler. True. Um, God knows what else they'd have been up to. But no, like it, it's just like kind of felt like a waste of TV time as much as mm. anything else. And then and like I, I sort of struggled to be enthused kind of from that point onwards. And the main event was kind of what I expected it to be, and it was fine. It was booked how I wanted it to be. But you know, Jade Cargill Red Velvet. It was like I I just thought, okay, but again, I don't know. I kind of want Jade Cargill to progress. And I don't know, maybe it's going to happen in the next round or whatever, but like, I, you know, in some ways I think they need to kind of start to pull the trigger on her if she is going to actually sort of mean anything. I think she has Thunder Rosa, doesn't she, in the semis? Is that yeah. right? Which, again, that'll be an interesting one just to see what the dynamic, I think, in that match will be quite interesting mm. and see what Rosa gets out of her or see the way she's even like positioned against 
you know, Thunder Rosa as well. That, that that's kind of intriguing to me because I think that's that almost I think that's almost like a pivotal point in this tournament really for where probably this title goes, where Thunder Rosa goes, where Jade Cargill goes in terms of her development and how quickly they are pushing her and um, what goes with it. I think um I think I'm I'm quite intrigued by 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 that match, but I mean this one was just functional, wasn't it? You know, I'm guessing Red Velvet must be training with her a lot, so she, that's why she's put in there to have this kind of you know you know worked with her a few times, hasn't she? And put in there to have this kind of match with her and they're on roads uh, to the top together, mate. And things, uh, yeah, I, you know, I haven't watched any of that, so I'm I'm guessing. But the um, the the only um, obviously you know negative about the Billy, you know, I was definitely negative about the Billy Gunn Darby Allen stuff. It's just like what does this say about your product to somebody tuning in, some randomer who tunes in? I know we talk talk about the the casual fan and all this, but if you are just somebody who just turns this on and it's like, oh, he's Billy Gunn and he's having this competitive match with, you know, Darby Allen, you know, however many years after he was on TV as a regular regular features act, what does it say about your company? What does it say about Darby Allen and that, and especially that he's kicking out of that fucking coffin drop and like I, I hated every moment of this. The the yeah, and and, and and plus the the angle at the end where like then like Sting's getting battered by Billy Gunn, and I was like, oh come on, you've oh, done yeah. Sting, you, you've done Sting so well, and now you're getting him, now Billy Gunn's battering him like just. I was just that was just a turn off as as well. The uh, the only positive thing I could say about this is that Billy Gunn's one month older than um, than Keji Muta, and then like I was like, so if you compare them for you know <laughs> what they look like and their ability to move around the ring, I was thinking, all right, fair play, fair play, Billy. At least you're uh, at least you're still yeah. capable of doing this. So from a physical standpoint, to you know. Roids are clearly good for a uh, Billy Gunn, but um, but yeah, for uh, anything else, there's absolutely no reason, no purpose for this 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 match to be happening and like at all. And does Billy Gunn need to be on your TV in 2021 when um, you've got uh, all these other names on the roster? Absolutely not. No, definitely not. Um, one other note that was weird on this rampage was like restarting the inner circle men of the year thing like and it was so weirdly done because they had this weird haphazard in a circle promo from presumably the pay-per-view then we went to scorpio sky and ethan page cutting a promo then we went back to the ring and 100 percent jericho was like that had been edited in like a couple of lines of like promo from jericho on commentary like surely this thing was dead like why is it continuing on like oh and jericho himself again just unbearable on this show like the screen yeah. and such like I, I pretty much watched the show with like the volume down but once I got halfway through it um, yeah I don't understand that one continue Pat McAfee gave me flashbacks to Jericho <laughs> screaming fucking banshee that he I'll is I'll take him any day over Jericho oh, both as bad as each other really aren't they I mean but yeah it, it's very weird like mm. god the men of the year stuff look you're wanting some sort of fresh tag teams to challenge Lucha Brothers on the odd episode of Dynamite. Why not just work at building them up as a tag team? Mm. Crazy idea. Why not try that for a bit? Just like kind of like a, a fresh direction or anything else. But like even Proud and Powerful, I was thinking during this. Again, it just feels like it's not the best use of that. And 
talk about contracts sort of expiring you uh, there's a part of me that always hopes sounds like sacrilege but chris jericho's contract is just allowed to expire i know you benno you say he won't be and i know it won't be but just say oh you know vince offers him a load of money because he fucking would do he just needs to take a backward step i think the whole inner circle needs to take just a, a backward step now like even like at the end of the match there on Dynamite, they're all like there with Jay Lethal out there holding Jay Lethal's hand up. And I was thinking, like, I was thinking, what a, this is, you know. Feels very two is, years ago. This is this is just a bit shit and a bit wrong. And like Jericho now is, you know, like I said last week, overstayed his welcome a bit. I'm open this Fozzy tour just gets him taken off TV for a for a while. They just need to be split up. Like Jake Hague is someone who just needs to you know, there's no need for him now to be in and amongst of the, you know, anything at that level. Santana and Ortiz, they still haven't had a, you know, a decent shove behind them towards them belts because obviously there's so much more they're capable of uh, doing and certainly with the Lucha Brothers as well, you know, we know what they can do together. You know, there's there's there's, there's direction there. You know, Sammy's got his belt and he's got his own direction and career path. I think it's just... There's been a couple of matches, hasn't there? There's been opportunities where it's been. And if they lose, the inner circle must disband forever. And it's like, oh, no, they won. So they get to stay together kind of thing. And then they, they're kind of together, but they're not and stuff. They There's are at certain any points, but they're not. It? Like, they're just, it's, mm. It just feels like something that's yeah just counterproductive at this this point. So, it, uh, yeah, but I think it's uh, I think it's time. Let's uh, let's put Jericho out on the road with Fozzy and let's um, let's just get this uh, inner circle just disbanded and let's not reignite this men of the year feud at all. Let's uh, if we if we if we're moving on from away from Punk Kingston, fucking hell, we can move away from bloody men of the year in America's top team against the inner circle. We certainly I can. I would say on commentary though as well, having raised this a couple of weeks ago. We're a few months into this now. Of Ricky Stark's been on the on the mic, and I'm still getting nothing from him. I'm still <laughs> I'm thinking where you put the wrestlers in these in these positions. Where I don't know. I think back in the day, Punk on commentary on in WWE and things. You put these wrestlers in a position where they've got this mic, and something should shine through stronger, and their personality should you know get over a bit more. There should be a bit of a clearer, louder voice. Be a bit funnier. Be a bit antagonistic or something. He's just like you know, chat like. A, Taz's small boy sat next to him or something like that, occasionally just piping up with the, you know, <laughs> the, the occasional phrase that's not that funny or not that, you know, you know. I, I don't think I don't understand why he's why he's still he's there. there why me. is he there? Yeah, because it's not like he's so good at it that it's like, oh, we got to make room for. Him. He's an active wrestler. Yeah. I feel like you've got to have a good reason to make an active wrestler be on your commentary. Is neck? There isn't a good reason, is it? Is he still hurting? But then it's building up to a feud with him and Dante Martin. Yeah. Or at least yeah. some sort of match involving him. Because it's not like Hook's going to wrestle, is it? So. Mm. Well, we can hope. Been a year <laughs> since he turned up on uh, on Dynamite. Still no match. One day. Um, but I, I'll just say quickly, any thoughts on uh, Cole and Fish versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus? It's a pretty good match, wasn't it? Pretty good tag. Yeah. Saved the show, really. Like, it was the most, most the thing I most enjoyed on the match, on the show, but it yeah. felt it did. It felt like a skippable rampage, and I want to be cautious of saying it because, like you know, there are weeks like this where rampage comes across as a B show, and then there's weeks like we had a couple in a row, didn't we, with the with the Kingston Punk stuff where it felt like the best show of the week. So I, you know, I'm going to completely throw out uh, rampage as a concept, but there's a couple of weeks in a row where it has felt like I uh, probably get away with not watching this. 
Yeah, this one very much had that vibe to it, didn't it? Like, if you miss this one, you'd be fine. You wouldn't be missing out on it. But then, you know, next week it's Kingston Garcia. Is that right? Is that on on Rampage? That's on Rampage, I think it is. And I look forward to that. And I think it's still, it's an hour of TV. And as a product, I think that's like, it's still generally well-paced. Even if we don't like all of the matches and other stuff like that, there is at least that clear structure to it as well. It's just at the point where, dare I say it, they could do with another hour on top of it. Don't say that. Those weeks were rough when they've done that. Yeah. Uh, no, not on, not on Rampage, but just a separate oh. hour on a TNT entity. Oh, I see. Yeah, maybe. I will say on the show, by the way, we did get, when we mentioned Punk earlier, there's a Punk's QT Marshall promo where for some reason he was slipping into his homicide impression. I don't know what was going on there, but okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Strange. Um, but yeah, not a, not a hugely noteworthy show. Nah, not so. Anything on star star ratings, Gareth? And then you want to want to read book Meltzer or um, we talked about it on the weekend show already. If people want mine in there, JP takes uh, one man's opinion versus everyone else, something like that. Exactly. You know, don't uh, <laughs> don't, don't don't get mad at don't get mad at Meltzer. Use the, use the grapple app where there's uh, hundreds <laughs> of people's opinions consolidated into a nice tight easy average to get the uh, get the true picture of what uh, what people are thinking. Because um, yeah. When you're uh, when you're giving five stars to some of the matches that he was giving five stars to, as good as the as good as they were or or, or not, yeah, I think you're um, I think you're 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 in the realms now of yeah, it's parody, things aren't comparable. The scale's gone. You know, what's the point? Yeah, I, he, I, I, he's just doing it to just it's caught caught publicity isn't it now throw a stupid throw a a stupid rating out there people talk it to people talk about Meltzer and you know keeps things relevant and keeps keeps a bit of noise it's marketing isn't it it is yeah and I've been the first to dismiss I got dragged into this conversation against like against my better judgment because I am you know, I have in the past bit said that, you know, ah, it's only Melter's opinion, you know, oh, it gets a bit crazy. But it's such an out there opinion. This one that that six man with the books and the you know, the dinosaur doing a shooting star off off the off the fucking off the entrance way. Like I just don't it's one of them, it's like what I don't understand is that yes, we can say it's one man's opinion, but I do think a lot of the time and we got into this a little bit, didn't we, JP, before the weekend mm. show, that, like, the people who most loudly say that are also the people who want to hold Meltzer's opinion up as, like, this lofty, you know, he's the man in this stuff. And I do that, too. Like, I do see him as, like, you know, he's a bit of a tastemaker. He's, you know, in this discourse, you know, at the top of the tree type of thing. And you want to take his, you know, his, his, his opinion with a bit of weight. And, you know, if people want to give their opinion on his opinion, I think that should be fine too. But I do think, yeah, the, the, the Melter defense force sometimes I think go a bit far because it's like, no, I mean, if, if we're going to hold his, 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 you know, his place in this world up to, to that high regard, then he should also be able to, to criticize him when, you know, he's as out there as he is here. And it's like I said, it says everything for me that, yeah, it is, uh, that, he get, that he gave five and a half stars to the main event it wasn't even the controversial point. It was that. It was no. five stars for that. It was, you know, some of the inflated, you know, four stars for that throw away Cody tag, just crazy. Well, as Liam put it on Friday, it felt like he was making up for having cheated away in San Jose with his new Japan mistress, isn't it? So, <laughs> yes. like, that, and he had a terrible of... time. It gave a lot of four stars out there. He must have, he must have hated that show. Like, well, the grass is always off. greener, as Dave or as Dave learned that night, isn't he? So, <laughs> like, yeah, it's all very well in playing away, but um, 
but yeah, it, it, it it's just one of those things where, like, as a reviewer, it, it kind of ruins his, his uh, I say ruins his credibility. I don't mean it in that way, but it, 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 it does because, as I said before, it was the he he rated something and then you went out and watched it because mm. it was recommended and he was as a, as a very influential tastemaker. And yes, he's one person's opinion, but it's built on like 50 odd years knowledge of, of wrestling in kind of like forensic detail. So you kind of look at it, but it, it just makes like his star ratings kind of look kind of like ridiculous. So uh, seek alternatives and, and, you know, and obviously on grapple, you know, you can all choose ratings, but as I like to think, I've also made clear that I ultimately am the judge of this. So, like, when it comes to the final tastemaker, it will be me that decides. And I won't you be like making final decisions that will make fucking giant Baba spin in his grave. <laughs> if my boys killed themselves, you can give Aladdin a fucking dinosaur mask, five stars, fuck off. Obviously, he would have said it in Japanese and in his own gravelly voice. Oh, hey, I, if, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have made an app. But I made the app because there's always a better way. There we go. And yeah. it takes us right into our plugs, I think. Yeah, I think that's there's no better place hey, than that, Gareth. Down uh, MLW War Chamber, mate. Oh, you seem to have right. forgotten all about that. All right, mate, you've got keep keep it in the minutes. war chamber. <laughs> I'll just read out the teams. You can guess what happened with this. It was the Hammerheads <laughs> versus Contra unit. So it was um Alex Hammerstone, um, it was EJ and Duca. Jeff Cobb came out as PJ Matanga. and Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> Is this ICW Duncan. again? It's not EJ. <laughs> no, it isn't EJ and Duca. He was in WWE. Oh, sorry. Absolute fucking giant guy. Richard Holiday, Savio Vega um, were there. And they were up against, like, oh, what was it? Uh, Jake, Jake Fatu and Mad Frugo. I know, and the Sentai Death Squad, which I keep on reading as Hentai Death Squad, which is a completely different meaning of that as well. There's another time. It was a fucking cage match. Like, Jeff Cobb and Jake Fatu at the beginning was good. Kruger's shit. Hammerstone came out and was kind of just channeling the Ultimate Warrior for it. And at the end, it appeared that Jake Fatu was leaving Contra while yelling, fuck you, at all of them as well. Didn't give a shit, that lad. Fun. Trashy, trashy fun, like MLW. Right, I did that in a minute. That's it. That's war change. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, any any other plugs? Anything uh, you want to give that the hard sell for the grapple app? Top rope again, Gav? Yeah, you want to remind people where they can get that? Absolutely. Yeah, if you've uh, heard at the uh, start of the show, obviously, about that top rope partnership, don't forget to get yourself on grappleapp.com forward slash support and uh, fill your boots with some lovely wrestling-related beer and uh, help Top Road celebrate their birthday, help uh, Grapple uh, with a little bit of support there with the kickback, and make sure you use that uh, code GRAPPLEMANIA to get the uh, get the free delivery on that one. And also, make sure you download, download that Grapple app and uh, get, those, uh, get those ratings in that um, show that um, Dave Meltzer's maybe... Uh, not quite the uh, the authority that he once was. That's it. Be your own melter. That should be the other grapple logo. Uh, JJ, anything from you? Um, I would just say uh, grapple uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple. Nearly did that mistake again with the address. Um, we are pretty soon going to be having our, I think it's our deep cuts on the Kenny Omega AW title run. Um, that coming out. Daily updates, weekend show, loads of 
of other stuff we've got there coming up on there. So yeah, get on the Patreon. Brilliant. And yeah, a couple of non-wrestling plugs for me this last week. I did uh, the Succession Prod, the, the Sesh over at uh, Up Next uh, on last week's episode. Uh, followed, uh, followed on from uh, from JP. So yeah, if you were uh, on the fence about joining those lads' Patreon, I think it's two, $2 is the lowest tier and you get those uh, get those two episodes with me and JP. Would highly recommend it. I had a boss uh, time chatting with uh, Davey about all the different right, wrestling yeah. comparisons that, uh, oh yeah, we love uh, Davey and Brave. We're definitely going to do something with the Up Next lads at, uh, at some point. Uh, that will happen. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun, and also uh, fulfilled my other dream of doing a, a Fast and Furious podcast this last week. Um, <laughs> too Fast, Too Forever, the, uh, the Fast and Furious podcast that's on 200 episodes that just reviews the nine movies, well, 10 if you count Hobbs and Shaw, in an endless loop. Um, I joined them on loop 10 uh, for the <laughs> first movie, The Fast and the Furious. Uh, offered my fresh take on the film that they've uh, now reviewed uh, 10 <laughs> different times. Great podcast. I mean, I, I will come up with the, uh, the idea of myself. Maybe there's a wrestling equivalent we can... Uh, is there anything those lads haven't heard, take-wise, on <laughs> any of the Fast and I Furious tried to come up with some. at this point? Try to come up with some. They were mainly bemused by having yeah, this British lad who loves the Fast and Furious movies but knows nothing about cars. Um, <laughs> definitely a couple of awkward moments there. I was like, oh, yeah. it's not a Clio or a, or a Fiesta. I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, it was still a lot of fun. And it was on their Patreon, but it'll be on their free feed, I believe, today. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, too Fast, Too Furious. But, yeah. Other than that, like JP said, lots coming up on the Patreon um, to check out. Obviously, got the uh, the Grappy Hour coming up this weekend as well. So, stay tuned for uh, for details of that. But other than that, that's it for us for the show. We will catch you again next week. Bye. See you. <laughs>